folks at home, folks at home, welcome to Ike Live. This is the January freeze edition of the show. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? January freeze edition. I must be cold outside. It's cold out, and I have my fur jacket on, which I'm probably going to remove because there's no costumes in this show. Uh, no costumes in this show. In fact, this is, we were just talking about off camera. This is the first show, probably in like 10 shows, where we're not required to wear a costume. Oh, I, wow! <laughs> Thank God. Wow, I didn't know. We have a y'all day off. Told, y'all should have told me before that. Uh, <laughs> folks at home, welcome to Ike Live. This is exciting because this is the first show in the year 2015. First show. It's actually show 13. Uh, that's an unlucky number. Do you think that means uh, Brian the Carpenter's going to screw something up again? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. Pro- probably not. But do, do you understand what hot mics means? Oh, hot mic. I know. Yeah. Well, I did that on purpose. I oh, okay. People to tune in early. Oh. It was all subliminal. Well, it was recorded too. Cool. There well, you like go. It, for yeah. the record. Proof. Uh, uh, let me introduce everybody in the room. Sitting to my right, co-host of the show, the one, the only, Pete Glusick. Pete Glusick, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. Okay. Happy New Year. Uh, exciting crew on the casting couch here. And uh, <laughs> l- let me start to the left. And I, I'm going to just, I'm not even going to say his real name. On the Cassie Couch, we have, John, you're becoming like an Ike regular. You're part of the show now. <laughs> and, and we like having you. We have J3 <laughs> on the couch. J3, everybody. J3. Uh. Uh, everybody has to have a name. And next to J3, Dave. It's good to have you back, man. Good to be back, bro. We missed you. We, we missed did miss you. you. I, yeah, it was it was tough not being here. We did. We missed you. And I'm going to tell you something. This is from the heart. There's something wrong with the show when you're not here. Oh, no, seriously. You. Like, there's a missing component. And and we've heard it a little bit with the fans, too. The fans would say stuff like, ah, it's too, <laughs> it was too PG. It was too nice. It was too nice. <laughs> Where's that big guy with the fat head that's always busting everybody's <laughs> boss? We need him back. And I'm like, we do. I'm like, no, seriously, though. But I better go grab a beer because I feel pretty sedate right now. I don't want to let anybody <laughs> down. <laughs> wow, that's not good. Yeah. That's not good. We, we, go, let's get him a beer. Um, Let me go get a beer. Yeah, get a, go get a beer, Dave. Nobody's watching. And nobody cares. Uh, and in the back, and this is nice because let me tell you, we have three amazing people in the booth today. Usually two. We have three. Let me start, uh, as usual, to the left. And I always kid him, and uh, let, let me let me tell you that he's a very important part of the show. He never wants to show himself, but there he goes, Brian the Carpenter, folks. Brian the Carpenter, uh, a.k.a. Brian the Producer, is in the house doing an excellent job producing. Thank you. Uh, sitting uh, to his left. I try my darndest. Good job, Brian. Uh, Lace hat, by the way, too. Fishity hat, I see that. We like that hat. It's a good-looking hat. Uh, sitting next to Brian, we have my beautiful wife, Rebecca. Hi, Beck. How you Hi. doing tonight? Hi, I'm good. Okay, and sitting to the left of Rebecca, John, get in here real quick so everybody can see your head. Watts. Everybody, uh, look Watts. at that face. You might recognize that face as the guy who catches all the trout in the back. Uh, the trouser ones. Yeah, that's actually, that's not John. That's John's great-great-great-grandfather, but they look a lot alike. Uh John McGraw, uh, a.k.a. Fastest Man on Campus in the house tonight. John, thanks for joining us. Big John in the house. 
Good to see John. Yeah, it is good to see John. The show's man. only been on for like a year. He finally shows up. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, we're gonna <laughs> Thanks for that, John. We're going to talk to John later. A lot of you out there don't don't know this, and I want to publicize this. John is the brains behind a lot of stuff that have happened mm. over the years. Uh, we're talking uh, Top Rod Bassmasters, integral part of that. Uh, Bass University logo. Logo, man. And a lot of the early marketing from that program, John that's, McGraw. That's right. And here's a big one. Man Stone Jig. Winner of the 2003 Ooh. Classic, John McGraw. That's right. Stone Jig. Yeah, man. John, we'll, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Right. Pop your head back in there again, Yeah, pop John. your head back in there. We need to say it. Oh, my God! Okay, there it goes. There it goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, we've, we've got... This is a good show. We've got an exciting show. Let me look at my notes. Brian, excellent job on the notes, by the way. Thank you. Uh, we, you know, we're, <clears throat> we're competing against something tonight. Um, some little football game that's going on. It's like a peewee. Is it a touch, that touch fr- football Friday, game? Friday Night Tykes. I think that's <laughs> Is that what it's right? Friday Night Tykes <laughs> yeah. game? Pop Warner. Something going yeah. on. Flag football. Uh, yeah. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, this is way better than any football game. i got to tell you that. Um, and we always start the show uh, by saying a, a big thank you to the military. Uh, active military veterans. Uh, all branches of the military. It's a crazy world. Thank you guys for what you do. Man, we appreciate you so much, uh, firemen, ambulance, EMT, policemen, all you guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's a crazy world. Um, you need a drink, John, already? That didn't take long. That was like three minutes into the show. Why don't, okay. you, take, why don't you take your sweater off, John? It's hot in here, dude. Uh, I, I like to start, before we get into it, um, should I even get in? I'm not even going to get into this. Let me get into it real quick. We've got dynamic show set here. Great show tonight. Two really cool guests from... Different walks of life, different parts of the country. Uh, we've got Kevin Short on the show tonight, uh, another BASS elite guy, yeah. really cool guy, interesting guy with some great stories he's going to share with us tonight about his year. He had a crazy year last year. Sure did. Uh, and Joe Balog. Everybody knows Joe Balog uh, from his article on Bass Fan, does an amazing job there. And Joe is probably the single best Great Lakes fisherman out there. Seriously. Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, the Great Lakes system, smallmouth, he's got a doubt. He's an innovator out there. He's an innovator. Innovator. So we're going to hear from Joe. We're going to hear some great things from him. Uh, but let's start right here in the room. I want to know about, I know about New Year's. Pete, I heard, <laughs> and this is from a little birdie, the Ike Live birdie that chirps through here once in a while. Uh, the bird said, your New Year's was unbelievable, amazing. Probably the funnest time you've ever had in your entire life on New Year's. Explain that to us. It it was amazing. Uh, New Year's was spent in the urgent care unit in Mount Laurel. Wow! (laughs) What happened, dude? I got smashed. It's an epidemic. The whole country. too much. Yeah. Urgent care? I I wish it was for celebrating is why. I wish that's why. Brian, this would be a great time for sound effect if you have a siren. When when Baylog comes on, we'll hear the sirens go (laughs) off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. So, Ian, what are you talking about? But, Mike, real quick. Yes. Um, just to let everybody know. We're, we're having a little bit of technical <laughs> difficulty. <laughs> of course we are. Of course we are. Um, the IM will be up in about 10 minutes. So, mm. hold all your comments okay. on the IM for uh, 10 just minutes. Just like I promised you guys, <laughs> uh, I promise you, and it, it happens all the time, technical, technical difficulties. Uh, no, it's IM... It's an IM issue. So <laughs> if you want to get a hold of us, wait about 10 minutes. You could do it through the IM messaging right there on the side of the screen. Two alternative ways to get a hold of us. You could uh, get us on Twitter. It's uh, Mike underscore Iconelli. 
Uh, you can tweet us a question, or we've got a phone number. Do we want to put that up there real quick, just in case somebody has an urgent question? No. No, we don't. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have a phone number up later uh, if you want to call it. But Pete, finish yeah. your story. Urgent care. Nah, we, we, got a, we have a flu epidemic in the country. I got pounded. It was a party at the urgent Ba-dum-dum. care facility, though. You know, we were all just hanging out. Nobody was going Everybody out tonight. Everybody was the same. Everybody was the same thing. I had ear infections, chest infections. It was the whole. I was down for a week. Had to take steroids to get rid of all that stuff. And I know everybody in the country is dealing with it right now. Let's and see I, them I just took my after turn. The steroids pump <laughs> Hopefully, I get yeah. some of that. You do look a little bad here. Hey, <laughs> look at that. Does FLW <laughs> test? I mean, uh, you have to worry about that, dude. I don't know if it's performance Pete enhancing Hulk. violation yeah. or not. Pete Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> you but wouldn't I, like me when I'm mad. I was so bummed out. I walked into the Ike Live. The studio outside the studio there, and all the New Year's decorations are still up. All the empty bottles are still laying around. At least some of them oh, are. Oh man, I missed I missed all the fun. It was it was good time. It was good time. And by the way, John, you were here. We had a good time. We had a great time. I, and I want to tell you, karaoke I re- karaoke. I did, did a horrible job, but I want to tell you, I remember everything from New Year's from about eight thirty to about the ball dropped. From there back, I don't remember anything. I thought you were going to say 8.30 to 8.45. No. <laughs> no. No, about about uh, 12.30, the night became a blur. Uh, but uh, Is there any photo documentation? Well, I, I think there may be some photos. I don't know if it's anything we want to release tonight. Uh, but but it was a fun night. We had a good time. We, we had a really a good, good time. time. It was a great time. We had a good time. Dave, what was your New Year's like? Oh, man. My New Year's... Uh Oh, what the hell I did? <laughs> oh, I don't. Oh wait, <laughs> no. wait, I know you did some gardening. Didn't no, you? I had I had we had to I had to set up for a, a 500 kid wrestling tournament. The uh, that's cool. That was going to be two days later. We had to set up on New Year's Eve, and we had the room at uh, Riverwinds, right on the Delaware River. We had it the day after New Year's on the second. Wow, that's so cool. So we had to set that up. And we had a short time to do it. So that's what I wound up doing. How was that venue? That must have been cool. River it was good. We cool. it ran well. We yeah. uh. We blew through it pretty good. It was a good tournament. Cool. Yeah. It's, and speaking of that, let me let you know that we're already forecasting, giving away a little hint here, we're going to have a wrestling show this year on Night Live. All right. Yes. Yes. All right. I don't want to give too much away about it, but we're going to have a wrestling show. And there may be some really big name wrestlers. Pete, huh? I thought we might have a live wrestling match right here in the studio. Well, Pete Hulk. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's still a little bit in the future, so we could set something up, <laughs> a little ring or something. Uh, what about in the back there? Uh, Brian Carpenter, how was your New Year's? And we'd like to see you, too, when you're talking. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, we want to we see you. Nope. Look, nobody can smell the tuna. They can only see you. This is a snot, <laughs> scratch, and sniff show. I run the cameras, and uh, I say no. <laughs> Uh, <coughs> yeah, he might find the shot. Find the shot. <laughs> he can't even find the shot. He can't find the shot because he doesn't want to find the shot. Then we can't see McGraw awkwardly trying to put his face in the camera. That's right. Put it back there. There he is. That's right. Mine was very quiet. Okay. <laughs> Chilled at home with the kids, the wife. Okay. A couple friends came over. No karaoke. There's nothing wrong with that. Like nah, it was good. Pots and pans, you know Pots what I mean? Pots and pans. Yeah, yeah. Cause, because Beck... You don't uh, like the cleanup, right? Because I was in bed till 2 o'clock in the afternoon the next day. You know, I don't mind the cleanup when I get help from my spouse who also decided that they wanted to have a party. Right. Right. Who yeah. was that? Um, 
how was your night, Mike? Why don't you tell everyone? Well, we did. We talked about it already a little bit. I, it oh, was did a great I tune night. that out? No, we talked I'm about sorry. it. sorry. It was yeah. all right. It was great till about 1230, and then she I don't was, remember anything. Yeah. So it was a good night. Mike was escorted out of the party <laughs> by his wife. Escorted out of my own party. You had to grab them by the ear. <laughs> thrown out of your own basement. By the ear. <laughs> by, the ear by my hair. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know. I like to I get nude in parts. So, you know. Your clothes were on. Uh... But your karaoke was horrible, and I have footage of that. Oh, oh no. Yeah, it needs to come Why do I not well, have that? Well, hey, that. listen. Let's, Boot it up. Let's, Boot it up, Brian. I don't need footage. I'm man enough to tell you. How Folks at home. Is. Folks at home. They demand the footage. Let's just do it right now. Somebody give me a beat. Just give me a little beat. A little slow. She's just 16 years old. Oh. Leave her alone. Right. Right. <laughs> well, that ruined the show. Well, I'm just saying. You're not going to dig nothing up. That's what All I right. sound like on the mic. Yeah. That was that was perfect compared to what we had to listen to. <laughs> Thank you. Thank that was good you. compared to what I put you through. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You could have you could have won won an Emmy for that <laughs> compared to what we had to listen to. Oh, he right. was God. eating yeah. the, the football mic. show's gaining viewership, guys. Yeah. Pick it up. Okay, no. let's pick it up. Uh, uh, let, let's, let's continue with what's going on and what's hot. And uh, we just got done the first Bash University class in right. Edison, New Jersey. And we had a great week. Tell us a little bit about it, Pete. We had a great crowd, great, great students. It was awesome. Uh, back to Jersey, where we started. Yep. The first Bash University was six years ago in Runnymede, New Jersey. And uh, we we were in Edison this weekend. We had a really big crowd, an awesome crowd, great crowd. Uh, you great know, crowd. they just uh, you, they're bass heads just like us. We had, one thing I love about our class is we you know we give all ourselves to it. The the speakers do. We uh, we tell the real deal. We really try to help people become better anglers, and they're into it just as much as we are. Five o'clock when that show when that show's done, I mean they're still hanging around. Yeah. I think I was there till about eight o'clock yeah. on uh, Sunday night. Still talking about lakes. It's amazing, isn't it? Saw some kids. Kids won state championships that are that are going out to compete at Grand Lake. Other kids are, are you know are winning uh, big deals. They're going down to Smith Mountain Lake. A lot of kids Lake. in that group. A lot we, of kids. We had a bunch. A lot cool. of the room was was youth anglers. That's youth right. Type of anglers. Somebody brought up something really cool on uh, on Facebook about that because we sent out all the Facebook pictures uh, chronicling the event. The front seats were all kids. It's awesome. Yep. And, yeah. and that's... Uh, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. Di- different from like when, uh, you know, you're in school, you know, guys are clamoring to get the seat in the back of the class. Yeah. Well, the kids are, are clamoring to get the seat in the front of our they class. They want to be right in the mix. They want they want yeah. they want to learn everything. They want to hear everything. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a great thing. And you know what? The generosity of the adults... To allow that to happen, yeah. you know, because they're paying for their ticket too, and they, oh, they yeah. let those kids sit up front. They, everybody wants them up front, yeah. so it's, it was, uh, it was it's great. Awesome uh, Brian DeCarpenter, I'd like to get your opinion. Uh, Brian came out to the event, got got some little bit of footage for us, <clears> did some audio for us, a little bit of B-roll. What did you think, honestly? What did you think? It was your first one, Brian. It was my first one. What did you think of the? the I show? thought it was amazing. I really did. I I was I was surprised how well well put together it was. You know, and, and well, thank, I take all the credit well, for that. I, yeah, no, I, I, I take offense that you're surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian, you, you have no part of organizing that, dude. Why wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> as soon as Brian got there, things started to fall apart. Yeah, also the <laughs> mic just stopped working. <laughs> all right, next. Half the lights went off. Hey, hey, you know what? You know what was a cool deal? I forgot about one of. That was a setup. Get Brian off the hook here. But one of our students was there at our first class, and he sat next to Adrian Avina. 
Adrian was one of the students in our very first uh, Bass University. How about that? Wow. And I that, didn't know Joe Sancho was when you brought that that's up. That's right. Joe Sancho moved on to the elites after heavy training at the Bass University. Graduates of BU. That's right. Turning pro. We expect great things from and all our students. That's right. uh, speaking of, uh, let me just uh, interrupt you. The next show, couple weeks... We have Joe Sancho. That'll be awesome. As a live guest in the studio. It's going to be great, isn't it? It's going to be shocking. Oh, it's going to be great. I want to know, I'm going to have uh, grooming tips from Joe on that beard. Never cut it off when he's not looking. Oh, the, imagine that live on air. Like, dude, isn't that picture awesome? <laughs> oh, that, that, that would be true. That would be a wrestling match. <laughs> the wrestling and the, the Joe Sancho combined in one show. It's perfect. Uh, also want to update everybody on uh, the Mark Jeffries project called 20 Feet Deep. Did everybody get a chance to see that? Anybody, Dave, yeah, it's awesome. That's it? good work. He does good Re- work, man. Really cool project, yeah. Pete. Uh, you know, we've kind of pumped it up for a lot of weeks leading up to the show, um, but it was different. It really was a different spin on looking at the sport. Super excited about the next guy, Steve Kennedy. He's like the mad scientist of bass fishing, uh, getting into his life, figuring out a little bit about Steve. It's going to be neat. I, I am very – I know nothing about Steve Kennedy. Like, I don't know that – you know, he just doesn't get covered that way yeah. a lot. I'm, I'm interested to, to learn about – I mean, he's an awesome angler. That's the only thing I know yeah, about he's him. very elusive, but, yeah. boy, he catches him. You yeah. Know? He's, yeah. He's like a mad scientist. He's quiet. I stayed next to him at Sandy Cooper. I don't even think I saw him talk to his wife once. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true, Beck? <laughs> That is not true. <laughs> that is the worst person to the that he talks back, you know? a lot. To. <laughs> <laughs> Julie's gonna be mad at That'll me. That'll be interesting to see Steve. I know he's a swim bait nut. That he that's is. the only thing I know. Yeah, we actually we need to track Steve down on the show. It'd be a great show having him talk about some swim bait tips. Yeah, be interesting. Be interesting. Uh, real quick, I just want to give a special shout out to Rapala VMC and especially Dan Quinn for taking me ice fishing last weekend. Uh, perfect timing. Landed on Saturday. It was 30, 40 degrees. Uh, did a seminar and then woke up on Sunday morning to go ice fishing. It was 20 below. Uh, Arctic blast hit on Monday. Had half a day and it was 15 below. <laughs> Unbelievable. Were you in like one of those shacks? We we did. We uh, we actually were forced to stay in this year. Uh, this is my second year in a row. Last year we hole jumped, which was awesome. Drill 50 holes. You fr- you just hole hop. You know, you drop it in. You have a depth finder. You plop the transducer in there. You're you're hopping. You're hopping. That was awesome. This deal, you, you're forced to stay inside. L- literally five minutes out there, you're done. Yeah. Best equipment in the world, clothing wise. Best gloves. You have to stay in. But um, these houses, dude, they're not like they're not like shacks. They're not like outhouses. You know what I mean? I think you close your eyes and think of these little, like little tiny barn-looking things, dude. I'm talking about cable TV, <laughs> yeah, <out>. carpet. <laughs> I'm talking about a stove, a refrigerator. It's unbelievable. They call them wheelhouses. That sounds pretty cool. It's pretty. It was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. And uh, you know, you're catching uh, crappie and walleye and perch through the ice, and uh, really interesting. And actually, the uh, uh, the last day we were there, Monday, about noon, we had about an hour left, and we're with a guide there that's amazing on that lake, Lake Malax, um, and and we, you know, I, I threw it out there. I'm like, man, you know any smallmouth? You know, like, you know, we're, this was fun, but can you catch any bass this time of the year? And he's like, ah, oh, you'll never on a day like today, you're never going to catch them because of the falling barometer. It's too cold. He's like, but you want to see them? I'm like, 
yeah. I'm like, shit, absolutely. So sure shoot. enough, shoot. So sure enough, he he took us to a spot, and he got on this area. Everything's on your GPS. You're driving to it. It's the most amazing thing. You're driving over the ice, and he's got his GPS. He gets on the spot. He's like, yeah, they should be right around here. Drills about five holes. It drops an AquaView camera down there. And I've never used one before. Drops it down there. And, dude, it's like it's like right here. It's like real-time viewing. And there they go, dude. Biggins. Big small. Three to five pounders. The really big ones were just sitting. Like, literally, belly mm. to the floor. Scattered boulders with sand just sitting wow. there. And then it, and occasionally, all of a sudden, you'd see a three-pounder just come rolling by real slow. And, dude, you could, I mean, we fished for him for about 45 minutes and never had a bite. It was the most amazing thing. But watching them, seeing them down there, knowing they're there, crazy. That is pretty cool. Crazy. That is well, pretty Well, neat. a lot of people don't know that about Malax. Is it, it's such an awesome smallmouth fishery. It's a smallmouth factory. Smallmouth factory. It's known for walleye. It's like the walleye capital of the world. But uh, yeah. awesome smallmouth fishing awesome, there. Awesome smallmouth fishing. Tremendous, tremendous. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's, that's pretty neat, seeing them under the ice. I, I didn't realize they moved that much. I, I guess in my mind's eye, under the ice, they're boom, just yeah. plopped on the bottom and just sitting there waiting for spring mm. to come. So does but, the weather not affect the walleye for fishing? Or it doesn't the affect them as much. But here's something interesting. So the best walleye bite both days was low-light conditions. It was like you had this window from when it would, the sun would come up. You'd have about an hour window, and then it would turn off. And then all day, you might catch one. It was really neutral for walleye. And then that sun would start to go down. And about an hour between when it went down and it got dark, they'd bite again. And then shut off again like that, and it was the same thing both days. Wow. Were really were interesting. You, yeah. Were you drinking whiskey to stay warm? Like, how, what were you doing? What there was some alcohol flowing, but those wheelhouses—everything's heated. You know what I mean? They run off generators. Yeah. You walk in there, it's like we're sitting here. That's you know cool. what I mean? It's amazing. It's unbelievable. But great trip. Thank you, Rappel. Thank you, VMC. Thank you, Dan. That was great. Uh, here's some more big news. And this is exciting. Officially now, do we have a do we have an image we can get up on this, uh, Brian? <laughs> uh, no. Just <laughs> <Okay>. laughs. We don't have an image. Uh, you have no chance. Of no chance. An image, uh, of image of what? <laughs> we have an image of the the the, the pre-order, the image, the uh, tackle warehouse, the uh, jig. Oh, oh, you were doing that now. Yeah, we have the jig. Oh, well, yeah, Becky will get that. She's it's not on the sheet. She's chilling out over here, so. What am I doing? <laughs> All right. Why don't you go to the other uh, thing and I'll wait, bring that another, in. You're, you're, you're off your timeline. I'm off my timeline. You're off your timeline. Let's, let's get on the Where timeline. Oh, no, I'm still on it. All right, real quick. I'm going to rush through these last two things. Uh, let, let's skip that. If you can get me a picture here. If not, it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, we'll get it. want to let you know that, uh, you know, everybody sitting in this room, Pete, everybody, John, Dave, John McGraw in the back, all of us, we all start out as club guys, right? Super important. The club level, that that level, that stage is important. Uh, and we want to let you know that if you're local here, if you're in the tri-state area, uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, um, we have a club, an amazing club, uh, an old club in New Jersey, Barrington Rod and Reel. It's uh, Barrington Rod and Reel is actually. One of our old rivals from yeah. the Top Rod days. Yeah. Um, Barrington Rod and Reel is looking for members, and specifically looking for young guys. You know what I mean? Is looking, that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're having wow. a membership drive, and this is exciting. Uh, it's going to be on Sunday, January 25th, 
from 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Highland High School. Over there in, where is that, Dave? Blackwood. In Blackwood, New Jersey. Um, they're going to have a fisherman's flea market during that time. A lot of really cool stuff, new and used. And at that uh, time, they're going to be doing a membership drive. So if you're interested in joining the club, check them out. Really cool deal. Cool club. That's great. Um, and then the last order of business, let me, let me grab one here since they don't. Since their uh, their, Watch it. their fact finding ability is not very good, um, you know you've heard a lot of hype about this thing over the last we talk about three months, four months since mm-hmm. the Delaware River win. Uh, finally, finally, we're getting to the stage. Where we're getting ready to launch this thing. The Missile Jigs Ike's Mini Flip Jig is finally available. Yay. Look at that! And there it is. Oh my God! They actually got a picture. Wow! How did you do, was that you, Brian, or was that Beck? I'm amazing. Okay, it was Becky. I knew it wasn't Brian. Uh, <laughs> it, it's finally available. If you're interested in this jig, by the way, three sizes, quarter, three-eighths, mm-hmm. and a half ounce, in six colors. If you're interested in that jig, go to TackleWarehouse.com, and you could pre-order it. Uh, available, what oh, is it, the cool. first week of February, if I'm not mistaken, right? What's the pricing? Let them know. Uh, pricing's about four bucks on the jig. Quality components, super sharp VMC hook. It's it's going to be the deal, Pete. That's a great price point. Great price for that point. Jig. Great great That's price amazing. point. amazing. So check it out. It's now available. All right, how are we doing on time? So I'm past my point, or are we good? What are we doing next? Pete. Uh, ta-da! Pete's big moment. <laughs> Pete, go. Pete's big, Pete's big ambush. What, what are we talking about? I don't know. You're, you're, <laughs> did Pete have a New Year's resolution? Then we start talking about his Ebola, oh. and then. Uh, oh, I know. We didn't talk about resolutions. Do you have one? I, uh, yeah, I, did we I, talk about the last show a little bit? No, yeah. we we talked about resolutions, but we didn't actually talk about our okay. specific. Well, resolutions. I, we we would like to know. Just well, yours, Pete. My, Just yours. Well, <laughs> my resolution is I, I'm like probably everybody in the country is I'm going to knock knock a few pounds off and uh, I'm going to get back into shape. I I do that uh, like when I when my son was born. Um, man, I knocked myself down about 50 pounds from where I'm at right now. And uh, raising Jake and, you know, the, the work activities with Bash University, Bash University TV have kept me planted in front of my PC. And uh, like a lot of people in the, in the world that, that work at a desk. And, uh, but I'm making a commitment. 2015, you're going to see it right here on Ike Live. You're gonna see uh, you're gonna see it in action, and I, I, I I'm targeting a big reveal. Except yeah, we got to pick a date on it. All right. Well, here I remember. I say we start tonight. Last time I hadn't seen you for a while, and I saw you at the pre-meeting for the mm-hmm. Potomac River event, FLW, and you had lost like 45 pounds. Like it was like it was amazing. It was like half of you was gone. It, it was ama- It was amazing how I felt. You know, I, yeah. I could fish better. You know, you can move around a boat better, and, you know, you, you just – everything you do, you, you have more energy, and you can last longer at. And, uh, you know, like I said, it, it, it's just uh, – you know, it's common. I'm, I'm 47 years old. I mean, a lot of men my age are all wrestling with the same, uh, with the same deal. Our bodies want to – And it still you makes you feel weight. like 19-year-old girls look at you and think you're attractive. Even though they don't, it makes you feel like they do, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 19-year-old <laughs> girl. All right, so uh, what do we got here, John? I see you stepping on something. What is this? 
Are we actually going to do I, it? I, I can't believe you ambushed me with this. Are we going to start? We're going to weigh the big guy uh, in on the table, John? Yeah. Oh, I'm all in. <laughs> all right. All right. So I guess this is a great thing. I mean, let's let's do this. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, we're actually going to... Uh, Brian, gonna, cue up the go-go music. <laughs> wait a minute. I don't know about that. Does it not no. work on the carpet? No. Take it, take it out to the hard surface. Right where the leg is, it probably hold him up. No, no, no. You know what? Put, put just, it, just take it out. Just, just take, take it out the there on the floor. floor. Put it on we, the leg. We trust you guys. <laughs> yeah, we trust you guys. All right. So Pete, Pete's, uh, Pete's John, you're the witness. John, you got to verify, John. Can't All right. Get we're, a witness. we're sticking with Pete. Pete's gonna weigh himself here, and we're we're gonna root Pete on over the next three or four months. And we're going to hope he gets to the point he wants to be. He's already excited. I see it. 415 pounds, no, everybody. No, okay. No. Okay. Yeah. What are you? That's good. Okay, so. 260? Uh, to let everybody know, let me see if I can get this back here. We had an official, and the official weight I saw it before it went off was 251 pounds. That's good. 251. Not bad for 5'4. 251. <laughs> <laughs> He's not 5'4. He's 5'4 and a half. Um. <laughs> 251. Uh, Let's mark that down. We're gonna do a little chart, it. Pete. I'm proud of you. That's good weight. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye. Way to go, on Pete. You. Hey, hey. You know, it's I've been an athlete my whole life. <laughs> I wrestled. I ran cross country. Played tennis, baseball. You know, um, lift weights and and ran uh, all through fishing. The top 100, top 150. I've always been training and 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 that sort of stuff. So I'm just gonna kick it into high gear. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna incorporate running back into my. Uh, Regiment and uh, do some muscle training, and uh, we'll and see what we can get diet. accomplished. Well, diet is key. You you hit the nail on the head, man. You can work out a lot, but when you when you want to get weight loss, it's all about the diet. So we're gonna because we're gonna you're, crank you're that not up. in bad shape now. I mean, you know, you might have a little weight on you. <laughs> Other but than two hundred fifty-one. You know, nobody nobody you know spends as much time on the water. I mean, Pete goes out there twelve, thirteen hour days and does yeah, it four or five days. days a week. Yeah, yeah. Days. that's yeah. tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is tough. That's It'll really come off. Eating all day. It's Mike, do you want to shut that uh, shut that light oh, off? Yeah, let me, hey, I, I think we're done with the celebration. Why we're on it? Does anybody Wait, is else? this just Pete? Like, does anybody? Oh, you're well, just gonna say that? Can anybody else say it? Well, you were reading my mind, Beth. We're on the same wavelength. Exactly. I want to hear some other words. Why are we gonna call? My New Year's resolution, which I really don't have one, I, I tell everybody who asks me, I strive to do tomorrow better than I did today. And I do that every day. It's great motivation. Mm -hmm. It's great motivation. You sounded like that evangelist dude right there. <laughs> you know that the real, the real nice guy with the with yeah, the mullet. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? We name? can convert. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> he sells out like stadiums with like eighty thousand people in it, man. But anyway, I don't have a resolution. I lie to people all day long. I'm not gonna lie to myself and say I'm gonna do something. I'm not gonna do. All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So why am I gonna do that, dude? Yeah, Whatever, man. man. Be honest. Be honest. Hey, person. that's a resolution. You no know? resolution. <laughs> that is. What but, about you? Uh, well, I I I want to tell you, uh, and and don't laugh because I've actually already wrote. <laughs> look, he's laughing right. <laughs> I already wrote this in my blog, and this is this is true. I have several, but my big one is uh, to really work on controlling negative situations better. PMA. Uh, Right, especially in the fishing world. You know what I mean? Uh, a lost fish, a broken line, a bad moment out there to, to, to really refocus better and, and to, to control that better. That's a big goal of mine, seriously. Yeah, talk, why don't you yeah. talk to me next time before you make up a resolution? Because I think that's who you are. 
I agree How are you going to rewire Dave? that? Well, uh, I've it, known you a long time. It is. You know, you it, can't is. it is. And this is, a, I honestly, I think yeah. this is a whole show in itself. And I don't want to lose, I, I don't want to lose it, but I want to be able to, to, like, get it somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, um, there's that, I call it the burn. You know what I mean? And it happens when good stuff's happening and it happens when bad stuff's happening. You know, you have that fish on, it's the winning fish, and it comes off and you know that's a... <laughs> You know, and you're just like, you could feel it down there. And it's like, you know what I mean? But how how can I take that and, like, convert it? You know uh, what I, I mean? I think that's your internal flame, my man. I don't think you are who you are without it. Really? Well, yeah. Beck, I, I don't, you want to weigh in on that? Dave's saying let it go. Dave's saying anger is a gift, which I've told you from day one. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think that part of it is who you are, which you you have to be, and and you, you can't change some of that. I think for you, a better resolution is to be able to bounce back from some of that. So the lost fish that makes you angry and you have that outburst, okay, you're going to have that outburst, but you need to come back from that quicker and, and get back into right. fishing. So yeah. you need to find a mental way to recoup quicker, maybe not stopping who you are. Right. And make sure yeah. no one's watching. Well, <laughs> yeah, the next well, that's time, not possible. Next time you throw an oar at a Shih Tzu, you better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not possible. Let, let me let me make a little comment on that because I think that is part of you. You know, that's that that's definitely part of you that helps you rise to that level. I've always felt like you need that release. Like I can't I can't do that. I mean, if I have a meltdown like that, dude, I'm like Jello. I'm toast. I might as well put the boat on the trailer. <laughs> I can't melt down because if I melt down, I, I I'm worse. I lose it. Yeah. You know, so I've got to I've got to keep my composure. I've always felt like you're like a steam whistle, man. You gotta you get there and you gotta woof. You gotta you gotta allow that release. And um, I just think maybe you want to manifest it in a different way sometimes. <laughs> you know, like instead of uh, ripping trolling motors off and poking <laughs> holes in the wall, maybe, you know, I don't See, know. We should give him a stuffed animal to to hug. See, that Mike, you didn't know your yeah. New Year's resolution announcement was going to turn into a uh, intervention, <laughs> did you? Like, Come on, giant, giant, giant group hug. Come on, yeah. everybody. Giant group hug. Giant group hug. <laughs> but like, like you told me, you know, that's, part of, that's part of getting to the winning you know, winter circle, mm-hmm. you know, because I talked to Pete about I have the same problem you do. Yeah. I feel like when I blow my top, it's a release. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. better when it's done. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about that when we get frustrated. And he's like, that's, you need that. You, you need, know, certain people need to have that. You need, well, every, you, in order to win, you got to lose. Right. You got to, you got to go through the valley. You got to walk through that valley to get to the peak of the mountain. It's got to happen, right? You're going to break fish off. You're going to get frustrated because the patterns are failing or guys are pulling in on your spots, you know, or whatever it may be. But that frustration <laughs> is necessary because that leads you to winning decisions. Yeah. Right? So you got to feel that fire. You know, I, yeah. I, I, would, I would agree with, with Dave that you you got you to gotta allow that feeling in yourself. Yeah. But I do like your resolution. I, I, I think about, you know, like I said, trying to find a way to express that that maybe is yeah. uh, a little, little is good. Not it's lose good. it, but a little little yeah. shift of process. Just when I'm hand squeezing things, and I might have it. You see him out there? We got we got him up there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find it. Yeah, it lose it. <laughs> That'll be the first thing to get thrown. <laughs> yeah, it don't float. <laughs> How about in the back there? I I, I want to take this moment. Can you call? Y'all can't be quiet, Pry. Give me a New Year's resolution. Come on. Figure out how to use this. Stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. 
<laughs> That's the best one yet. How about it? Can That's you imagine cool. if you'd actually had to run the board back there? <laughs> wow. Speaking of which, we still have no IM. No, no, right? no. IM is up, but oh. people probably just need to refresh their browser. That's okay. why they're not saying it. Okay. Uh, and, and and it's a it's a kung fu theater. We have that delay back again. Gotcha. After all that work. You're kidding me. That's what I hear. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, kung fu fighting. So. Uh, <laughs> If uh, if you're watching, you want to participate in the show with questions or comments. You can now use the IM feature. Uh, just hit the refresh button on your browser. You should be able to to uh, type us some questions. Of course, through Twitter, Mike underscore Iconelli, tweet us a question as well. Uh, let's keep moving. Uh, wait, McGraw, real quick. You're not going to get away from us. Do you have a New Year's resolution back what about there? Becky. No, no. Come on, we're going to skip back. I know hers. <laughs> Well, what, what do you got, John? You got a resolution back there? Mine is? He did. Ah, my oh, resolution? Get a nicer golf sweater. Sorry, John. Do you have one? What's that? Do you have a uh, resolution? John's the most stylish I'll get, John. He is. He is, actually. What's that? Yeah, I got one, man. Procreate. Procreate. <laughs> yeah. That's a good resolution. Is she watching? <laughs> That's I like my resolution, it. man. Right now, G's running for the hills, man. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from me, John. Uh, yeah. All right, that's a, this might be a great transition point in the yeah. in the conversation. Nobody uh, asked me mine. Oh yeah, what is yours, Beck? Why well, know yours? I didn't want to know, but let me let me know. Wait, you well, don't think it's worthy of everybody? Else I think knowing? it's an amazing resolution. Let's hear it. I'm spending less money this year. Wow. <laughs> I'm not everybody, shocked. Everybody, everybody, best <laughs> resolution there was. Wow. <laughs> but but at the same time. Not that it's a resolution, but I'm going to go with Pete, and I'm going to, you know, get back in shape and, and, and lose weight, too. Hey, right. Becky, what about... So I'll hold your hand, Pete. We'll do it together. That's awesome. Dude. Hey, you Becky. Wanna, you want to get on the scale, yeah. too? No. <laughs> I know what I weigh. <laughs> Becky, can you put some of that money towards the driveway so I don't crash into the cornfield? Yeah. Uh, that, that is part of the reason that I will not shop online this year. That is true. I, did. I tried to go around that one puddle at like 15 miles an hour. Yeah. Started to slide. Well, that's a good, that's, you know, that's a good thing. Hey, if anybody out there, a uh, big fan of the show, and you want to donate gravel or stone, yeah. We need a driveway bad. Uh, let's keep the show going. We got uh, let, let's get to it, man. I'm excited. We've got very, 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 very special guest. And we saw him on Saturday at the Bash University. I can't believe we didn't think to coordinate to get him here in the studio. I know. I know. It would have been nice to have him here, but uh Second best is mm. Skype. Yep. We're going to have him on Skype here. Awesome. Uh, great guy, uh, uh, BASS Elite Touring Pro. Lots of wins under his belt. And, and a couple big ones, a couple impressive wins. One up on the Mississippi River, I still remember. Uh, very, very uh, amazing victory up there. Uh, great fisherman, great guy. And he's got some great stories for us tonight. It's going to be a great conversation. Um, Joining us, do we have him? Do we have him? Is, is, are we ready for Kevin? Just a second. We're Just a second. Uh, we're going to have Kevin Short here via Skype in just a second. Uh, and, and once again, let me remind you, I am us. If you've got a question for us or Kevin or anybody else, uh, text us your question. I am us your question, and uh, we'll be happy to answer it. Joining us live from, there he is. I, I think he's at home. We'll have to ask him. Uh, BASS Elite Touring Pro, the one, the only, 
Kevin Short. KP. Kevin Short, everybody. Yay! Kevin Short. Yes. There he goes. See, somebody, somebody's in costume tonight. I like it. I like it. That's Aunt Joe Mama. Hey, it's cold in Arkansas, man. Come Is it on. cold? What's the weather there, Kevin? You freezing at 50? It's cold. It's gray. It's wet. It's been cold. It's been gray. It's been wet for like 53 freaking days. I'm told I'm tired of cold and gray and wet, okay? <laughs> man, you. I, I think uh, we have a trip planned somewhere then. We need to go somewhere warm where mm. there's no rain. I don't know where that is, but we could plan that. No, it's not Arkansas. Uh. Not Arkansas. The weather sounds like peace, cold, gray, and wet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Kevin, how was uh, – by the way, great seeing you on Saturday. We had a great crowd, man. What? How, how was your experience at BU on Saturday? That, that was the best – I mean, all of the vast university classes that I've been to, that, I, you know, that, that I've been invited to, that was the best, man. I mean, every, the, there was – it was a packed house. Everybody was excited, asking great questions, trying to pick up tips. It was a really good weekend. Cool weekend. And, and me and Pete were talking about it earlier. A lot of kids. Isn't that great to see that? Yeah, it, yeah it, that is great to see. It's awesome. A lot of, lot of youth, man. A lot of youth yeah. in the class. Uh, man, you know, we're, we're going to – I know our IM is going to light up here. We're going to have a million questions for you. Uh, but, you know, the big one, man. I want to I wanna just start right off and, and, and start talking about it right off the giddy. And uh, hats off to you for the amazing comeback after missing an event this year. Dude, that was freaking unreal. I know you've talked about it a thousand times already, but l let our viewers know, man. What in the heck? How did you do that? That's, that's almost impossible, and yet you did it. What possessed you? You know, the, the only thing that I can tell you, the, the never give up. I know you that know, saying. You just can't, you know, you have to have, you know, in those situations, you know, this, you know, this is a guy that's lost. I mean, I haven't lost everything, but like my house is gone. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, like two thirds, I would say at least half of our stuff, you know, all, all of the stuff, just think about, you know, look around your house and just think about half of the stuff in your house is just like not there anymore i mean it's just gone that's unbelievable uh, yeah. either that or it's so trash that it's not worth uh you know it's not even worth saving yeah um and i you know you kind of get to the point where and, and it, i mean the point came real quick for me it was like you know i walked up and the house is trash there's like trees laying on it parts of it are missing there's like a you know, I've got like an open air kitchen, you know, an, uh, an alfresco kitchen, you know what I'm saying? With like a big hole in the room, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, I'm saying, you know what? It's all good because everybody's alive. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. hurt, you know? And, yeah. and, and like, all, you know, dude, I got insurance and all of this stuff can be fixed. Yeah. Okay. I can get a new house, I can get new stuff. It's all, you know, it's, it's the people. It's like my neighbors. It's like my dad that lives two doors down. Dude, I can't replace them. Yeah. All right? Yeah. But all this stuff, hey, dude, it's just stuff. So, you know, that uh, I got to that point pretty darn quick. And after that, it was like, okay, it's all good. We're going to get all this replaced. And I got to do one thing, and that's focus on catching fish. Yeah. All right? Yeah. That, 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 that was really... Uh, you know, that was kind of a, uh, I, I guess if there was a defining moment, I mean, it was, and that really happened, you know, to be honest, that happened the first day 
you know, that uh, that Monday morning when I was like walking around through the devastation, we're starting to pick stuff up. I'm like, okay, you know, this is a mess. It's ugly, but it's going to be all right. Man, that, it, it, that's amazing. And I, you know, as you're talking, I'm trying to put myself in that position. I've I've never I've never been there. I've never had anything happen like that. But I don't I don't know that I could have did it. I don't know that I could have snapped out of it that quick. And by the way, for for everybody that's watching doesn't know what Kevin's talking about. Uh, we they had a big tornado, giant devastating tornado go through. I think it was back in April. Uh, wiped Kevin's house out. Wiped his dad's house out. Uh, very a very devastating tragedy. Uh, and, and man, I don't know. That's I, I I can't even put myself in your shoes. Kevin, this Peter. You know, you, how did when did that happen? I mean, were you in April? I guess you're what two or three tournaments into the schedule when that happened. Yeah, and April, is that- the, April the 28th, and it was uh, I had, it was in between an open on, on the Red River that I just finished, and then like the next week we were at uh, Toledo Bend. Okay, so that was like the, what the like the third, fourth tournament in. Yeah. So yep. yeah, um, but I, you know. It's uh, it's kind of interesting to look back now, and I, you know when we when we left here uh, in August, or I guess it was late July when we left here to go north to go up to the Delaware and to uh, uh, New York. It was like everything was you know we had cleaned up and picked up everything that we could clean up. I mean there just wasn't anything else to do here, so it was kind of like you know I mean we just like loaded up the uh, truck and the camper and the boat and it's like screw it, there's nothing for us to do here, so yeah. let's go make some money, you know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And uh, that's I, you know it, it was it was it was kind of hard to drive off and leave everything but at the same time it was real easy because i mean we had we had figured out what you know the house that we wanted to build and got the plans going on that and everything was kind of set in motion there but there was nothing for us to do here so yeah. it was it was actually pretty darn easy to to roll away from here and uh, head north and just concentrate on fishing yep. okay and and i mean my attitude at that point was like Great. Now, I, you know, that, that's and that's a big part of you know anything in life. You know, when you know you were you were talking earlier about you know one, maybe one of your uh, resolutions this year needed to be a, be you know when you get in those situations where it just goes snap you know when it goes foobar and you know in a heartbeat how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, you know that was uh, it would have been real easy I think for me just to call Trip up on that uh, Monday morning after it happened to say Trip you know what man everything just got toasted by a tornado and uh, I'll see you next year Right. it would have been real easy to do that yeah. uh, but that's not dude that's just not the way I operate yeah. you know I just you know you put a brick wall you put a brick wall in front of me I'm going to figure out some way to climb over yeah Wow. Well, are we aware of any other anglers that have accomplished what you accomplished? I mean, how many other people in the history of bass have made the classic minus one tournament? I'd say I would venture to say none in the elites. No, actually, FLW, a couple guys did it. No, Ken Duke. Ken Duke told me this. I mean, you know, Ken Duke's the one that, you know, keeps up with all that stuff. Okay. Right? Stuff that I can't keep in my head. Um, actually, in. 2006, there was, three, you know, back when we had 11 events, 
there were um, three anglers that got DQ'd at uh, Santee Cooper. You remember that? I do. Uh, VD was one of them. Bastard. And uh, <laughs> yeah. we like it, Kev. Brian, was that a sound effect? And Alton Jones. Okay, they all three got DQ'd, and all, I think all three of them wound up making the classic that year with you know with eleven with eleven events. events. Now, right. you know, okay. obviously nobody's ever done it with only eight events. Yeah. So yeah, but I, you know, hey, that, I, I'm there. I'll be there next month. And I, dude, that's all that matters to me. It's amazing. Hey, Kev, you could probably just not go out to California out to that tournament next year, the way you're going, dude. Save yourself a trip. <laughs> just qualify again, okay. missing one. California's been too good to me, man. I'm going to California. Just trying, just trying to save you some miles, dude. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, thank you for thinking of him, Dave. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, real quick, Kevin, I want everybody to hear the story. You, you don't, you don't have to give the super long version, but this is such. An amazing story. I know it because we know you guys from out on the road. But uh, let everybody know about the story of uh, your dad's safe. Uh, your dad's house got hit as well, and and there was a there was a safe that was missing. So, I mean, this is, the whole thing is actually pretty interesting because. I mean, that Sunday night, Kerry and I had gone out to dinner, and we're like watching this tornado on the Weather Channel, as it's like you know, destroying our house, all right? Oh, my God. So, I mean, we're, you know, we're kind of seeing it headed towards the house. Well, I call, I call the fossil on the, uh, on the phone. <laughs> and fossil. I'm like, hey. No, 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 seriously, that's what we call him is the fossil, okay? He's 88 years old, and, I mean, he loves it, all right? So we call the fossil on the phone, and it's like, Dad, you know, is the weather getting, you know, is the weather getting bad there? Are you watching me? He's like, oh, yeah. He said, I'm, keep, I'm keeping my eye on him. Okay. All right, all right. I'll just you know, I'll call you back in a little bit. So we're watching this thing on the Weather Channel, okay? And of course, the you know the weather geeks are like, I mean, they're all giddy, you know, because there's a tornado on the ground. I mean, you you know how that well. I mean, you guys don't know how they get because you don't see it. But down here, if there's like any kind of bad weather, whether it's a tornado or you know sleet and ice and snow, I mean, these guys get they got to like change their underwear every ten minutes or something. I mean, they just get freaked out over it, okay? Yeah. Uh, so these guys on the Weather Channel, they're all giddy because there's a tornado, and we're watching it, and it's like, I told Carrie, I said, you know, that's like getting awful close. That's going to be like awful close to the house, like really close to the house. And then I can see like, you know, a little outline of the lake that we live on, and I can see like the, you know, the the, the thing going across it. And uh, it's like, and that, that had to be like right beside our house. So I call, you know, I get on the phone to the fossil after I could see it move past <laughs> or move past, and I, I can't get hold of him, can't get hold of him, can't get hold of him. Finally, after about 15 minutes, I get hold of him, and I can tell when he answers the phone that he's just like rattled, okay? Yeah. And he's like, I'm like, so how bad was it? And he's like, son, it was bad. It's all gone. You need to come home. Oh man! Whoa! We're like, wow! Oh, okay, and then, you know that's one of those things you don't want to hear. All yeah, right? I mean, man! You just, wow! <laughs> man. You know you don't want to hear it. So, all right, we get home. Next morning, daylight. We're out here, you know, scrounging through stuff. And his house. I mean, you have to understand, he was inside his house 
and his house is completely and totally level. Wow. I'm talking there is nothing there but the foundation and like some scattered rocks and a few sticks of furniture here and there and like the chimney standing on the other end of the house. That's it. How did he how did he survive it? I mean, did he have a basement? What how did he how did he not get sucked away? basement on a slab he is in between he's got one of those you know those uh, uh, chest type deep freezes you know one of those old school deep freezes yeah, yeah. that you could like, like they're like Tony Soprano can hide bodies in you know that kind of deep freeze <laughs> yeah, we're okay. familiar with he's that he had one of those and then right in front of the deep freeze is I mean he's got a gun safe and I bought him this gun safe like I don't know 15 maybe 20 years ago put it in his house and bolted it to the floor. I mean, I bolted it to the floor with like half-inch, uh, you know, steel bolts, hammer drilled them down in the slab. It ain't going nowhere. I mean, ain't it's nobody taking this safe out of here unless you open it up and, you know, unscrew the bolts. Well, he's in between the gun safe and the deep freeze. Over here on the right is the washer and dryer, okay? Tornado comes, wipes everything out, Gun say he's in between these with like his arm up over his head and deep freeze peril, leaves gone. Wow. Man. Deep freeze or the yeah, the gun safe gone. Deep freeze is sitting right there. Washer and dryer you mean you know how much a dryer weighs? How much does a dryer weigh? Like fifty pounds, sixty pounds? Sits right there and never moves. Alright? So we get to scrounging around and like the gun safe I mean, we're like digging through stuff trying to find the gun safe, okay? Because the gun safe is like, of course, it's got all the guns in it, got all the papers in it, all that kind of stuff. Um, and a gun safe is nowhere. I mean, it's, it's like MIA, okay? So the first day, I mean, you know, the gun safe's nowhere. The second day of cleaning up, buddy of mine that I fish with all the time, he goes home and gets his boat brings it back, puts it in down at the, at the dam, which is just like a quarter mile from the house, and starts looking out there in the lake with like his side imaging and stuff, trying to find the safe. And he can't find it anywhere. Well, Ken and Tammy Cook had come over to help us clean up, and Ken gets in the boat with Stevie, and they get out there poking around with uh, one of those uh, telescoping uh, lure retrievers trying to find a safe. And there's like some huge trees like right off the bank behind Dad's house. And they found the gun safe like lodged in the limbs of one of those trees. And, and Ken found it just by kind of like poking around down with, with that lure retriever. And he's like, hey, I feel something down there and it's hard and it feels real square. So, you know, my little brother gets down there and jumps in the water, and sure enough, I mean, he can feel, you know, the safe. And, dude, I mean, we uh, wrapped, you know, my little brother uh, wrapped a strap around it, hooked it to a backhoe, and uh, drove that sucker up on the bank. Fortunately, you know, the door hadn't been caved in or bashed up or anything, and got down there and spun the dial, cracked open the handle, and... Everything was in there. Now it was all. It had the shit beat out of it. <laughs> wow. Wow. So I, you know, hey, That's we got amazing. the gun safe back. That's I mean, the, the old, you know, the fossil had uh, he had some cash stashed in, it, stashed in there. Had his gun stashed in there. <laughs> so we got everything back. I mean, it was all. Hey, and let me tell you what. 
that 88-year-old man, until we got that gun safe back, he was the most depressed man on the face of the earth. Oh my God. We pulled that gun safe up, cracked it open, and his face lit up like it was Christmas time. Oh, <laughs> oh, my, <laughs> gosh. oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What, what a story. That Isn't that amazing? Uh, that's, that's unbelievable. And I didn't know Ken Cook was involved in it. I didn't either. That was, that that's was amazing. amazing. To find it with a... Yeah. Lure retriever, man, that's that's an amazing multi-purpose story. lure retriever. Mm-hmm. What an amazing story! Yes, exactly. All right, so we've got we've got inquiring minds here on IM. We have a lot of questions. Back. Yes. What do we got, right. Kevin? Let's go. Where did the pink come from? Nobody else brave enough to do it. <laughs> Good answer. Which event are you most looking forward to this season? Which what? Which I'm event? Sorry. Which event? Um. On the Elite Series schedule, I'm probably looking forward the most to the Sabine River because uh, I, I took a major, a pretty major ass whipping the, the, the uh, you know, when we were there a couple of years ago and I shouldn't have. That's my kind of place. It's tough fishing. It's small fish. And, I, you know, I just didn't have my head in the game on that one. And that will not happen this year. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, you know, obviously, looking forward to the classic. It's been uh, it's been a couple of years since I qualified for the classic. Hartwell was the first classic that I ever fished, and I, I like the fishing there. I, I like the way it fishes. It kind of sets up to uh, you know the, the the way I like to fish early in the year. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. Cool. And then uh, one of the other questions was, what did you think of the MLF? Ooh. I like the I like uh, major league fishing. I like the format. It's intense. It's totally different from any other. It's so totally different from any other tournament, any other event that I've ever fished. Uh, it, it's hard to. It's really hard to describe how intense it is. I mean, the 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 first period of the very first event at. at you know, each one of those periods is like two and a half hours long. And at the at the end of that first two and a half hours, my hand was cramped so bad because I was I, I was like so jacked up and so I, I mean I was just so tensed up that my hand started cramping after the first two and a half hours because I was gripping the rod so tight I was like trying to crush the the butt of the rod. Okay, that, that's how that's how it was for me. Uh, but I. I love the format, and I've watched several of the shows, uh, both on the internet, on the uh, uh, you know, on the extended cast. Um, I don't have the uh, I, I don't have the outdoor channel, uh, but I've, I've talked to guys that have seen like the TV shows, and are really really excited about it. And I I mean I'm I'm thrilled to be to be part of it and to get to fish that format because I really like that format. It's it's interesting. It's different. It's I thought they did a good job with the TV show. I really, I really yeah. thought they did a really a better think, job yeah, than I some of the other people. The, the TV shows that I've seen, I, I think it is, you know, personally, I think it's the best fishing show yeah, agreed. on TV right now. Agreed. Yeah. And there's other good shows out there, don't get me wrong, but it is the most exciting. It is the most captivating uh, you know that that I've seen. 
Yeah, it's got a lot of energy to it. I think people agree with you. Everybody that gets in my boat or comes to Bass University, they, that, they all come out of the woodwork to comment about, you know, Pete, what do you think of Major League Fishing? That's awesome. They all love it. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's, right. a, it's a new show. It gets a lot of attention. It does. It's a cool format. You yeah, know, it's yeah, the format. format. And that's, that's what the sport needs. It needs change, you know. Yeah. Something different. Something change of pace, you know. I have a question for Kevin. You do. I do. Ke- First off, Kevin, thank you for coming to New Jersey Bass University. Really appreciate all you've done for us over the years, and you've been there for quite a few Thanks. of them. Bye. And the students uh, really love you. Uh, a lot of them went out of their way to, to come up to me and comment about your seminars. But my question for you is, why is Kevin Short a better square bill angler than you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, kind of, uh, I, I mean, persistence. And, um, you know, some of it is just sheer determination. I mean, I, you know, I, I will, uh, you know, I, I know in the summer, if I, when I get to fish at home in the summertime, dude, I'll go out. Uh, you know, in in my little boat, and I'll take nothing but a square bill, and I will, by God, make them bite. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I will figure out where they're at and what I have to do, whether it's depth, retrieve, speed, color, whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll go out and purposely try and figure out how, you know, what do I have to do to catch a fish on this bait to day and I, you know i think uh, just just sheer determination and uh, persistence is at at throwing yep. well that's that's awesome and uh, you know i'm i work with john hansen j3 i think you know him yep. and I know uh, j3. you know you're yeah. really making my life hard because i can't get him to put the square bill down for a second either <laughs> hey kevin i got a way for you to put the square bill down in studio we have john mcgraw just fish behind him for a day <laughs> when, the, when the trolling motor's on five all day long, I think you'll put that thing down. <laughs> it's a good way to put any bait down. Yeah, yeah. You, put, you, you, you put yourself give, down. Yeah, you actually give fishing up. You yeah. won't even fish anymore. You just take up golf or badminton or something. Yeah. Uh, very exciting. Uh, let's change the topic, Kevin. This is, uh, I know we've been getting some messages about it. And in it's giving me a dirty look now. And uh, in studio... We've got a lot of Delaware River uh, uh, anglers here. Uh, three or four of us are are big D uh, anglers by by heart here. And uh, man, you had an amazing tournament there. I I want to I want to dig into that a little bit, man. So, uh, what what made you choose? What why did you end up in that creek? And what kind of led you to develop that pattern for that event? You know that. I, before I before I left the house, I spent a lot of time looking at maps on uh, you know on Google Earth and some other uh, you know some some other uh, mapping services where I could see satellite maps. And I spent a lot of time you know looking for creeks because I I mean I know from fishing the Arkansas River here that. You know, if you're going to fish main river stuff, sometimes that's not quite so easy to pick up on those subtle little things and those and, and those little minute, those little small places that yeah. fish get bunched up on, um, you know, out on the main river. And I, I could see by looking at the at the maps that the, that the main river had just 
a huge amount of different cover options. You know, whether yeah. it was man-made or natural or, uh, you know, riprap. I mean, there was just a million places out there on the main river that fish could hide, okay? Uh, and, and, and I was, you know, I was thinking about, okay, on the Arkansas River, I mean, I go out there and catch them just about any conditions because <laughs> I know at any given time of year, those little places, you know, whether it's straight rock, whether it's, you know, wood, whether it's pilings, you know, whatever, I, I've kind of come to understand where I need to be. And I, and I also know that those little situations don't necessarily transfer to a tidal situation. I've learned that from fishing the Potomac, okay? Yeah. Yep. So what I was looking for was areas off the main river that maybe wouldn't be as affected by the tides and that offered a lot of different, you know, that maybe that offered several different cover options, whether it was, you know, lay downs, grass, whatever, in a smaller, you know, a smaller area that could be, you know, easier and quicker to digest. Okay. So when I got there Monday morning, I'd never been there, didn't, you know, didn't go up and pre-practice, didn't talk to anybody. I mean, I, you know, J3, I have no idea in the world why I didn't call him. No clue. <laughs> okay. Well, he no would have tried. To, he would have tried uh, taking it to the flats. Anyway, <laughs> He'd have got you DQ'd, man. He would have been going through the C and D canal. You, we, we wouldn't be talking to you, Kevin. Yeah, well, that wouldn't have done me any good. Uh, so I roll up there Monday morning, and I've got I've got like three creeks that I want to look at. Okay, I mean, I, I you know I've kind of got you know in my head these are the three creeks that I want to go in and see what's in there. You know, I mean, I could see like little bends with laydowns in them and, you know, maybe a little clear water back in the back. But, you know, the what you see on a satellite image and what you actually drive, you know, the bass cat into and look at, that's sometimes that's two different things. Yeah. So, I mean, I roll into uh, the, the first creek is actually, I don't even, I mean, it's like. 30 miles from uh, the, the ramp that we were putting in at, way down the river and underneath this bridge on the left, and I roll up to the mouth of it, and there's like these these like big crosswalk things all across the front of it, and I can't even get in there. I don't even know what the, I don't even know what the name of it is, but I couldn't even get my boat, you know, into the creek, and it's and the creek goes for like 15 miles up in there and I can see you know all kinds of stuff up in it but I can't get to it so I go to the next one upstream which wound up being uh, Oldman uh, Oldman's Creek <laughs> dude I keep going as far as I can go I mean I you know I just keep going and going and going and it was on high tide I went in there on high tide so I could go I mean I wound up going all the way to the back you I know mean, I went all the way past the, the uh, turnpike Wow. Okay, which yeah. is, you know, I don't know, 12, maybe 12 miles yeah, from uh, from the mouth of the river. Yeah. Uh, and I liked what I saw. I caught some fish and, uh, you know, caught caught a couple of decent fish. And I thought, well, you know, I could I could probably come in here and catch me a couple of limits. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of laydowns in here. The water looked good. There's bait. There's grass. Everything's in here. And the other, uh, my other places that I uh, that I looked at had a lot of the same stuff. A lot of the same stuff. You know, same cover. They had fish in them. But everywhere else that I went, I mean, it was like 
the turnpike, man, there was people going you know, <laughs> running in, running out, you know, stopping <laughs> to pay tolls. It was just ridiculous the number of people that were you know running around. So um, I, I never, you know, I looked at a lot of other creeks. I fished some stuff out on the main river, at, you know, on different tides, and uh, really, you know, really tried to figure out something else after that first day. You know, I spent Tuesday, Wednesday looking at other creeks, fishing the main river, and I never, never found anything that I felt as comfortable with and had as much confidence in as that one creek. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, dude, I went down there and uh, took my uh, took my little uh, buoy knife and uh, whittled me out a path in there, and I, I was honestly shocked that I was the only one in there. Mm-hmm. I figured that somebody else would yeah. be stupid enough to, uh, you know, to try and go up in there and catch some fish. But I, I was the only dumb one, and it worked out really well. That's and it, I, I tell you what, there again, that's one of those times where being persistent, man. When I would get, when I would get back all the way to where I was fishing, I would have to fish just dead slow and very methodically. I mean, it was totally opposite from what Mike was doing. Because, you know, I, I mean, I, and I know what Mike, you know, Mike was running, gunning, you know, working the tides, working specific, you know, working specific targets, working specific areas on each tide. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, Mike will pull up, fish 15, 20, 30 minutes at the most, if that, and he's gone. He's going to the next one. This was totally different. I mean, I'd pull up to a lay down, and it was like, I mean, I would take, uh, you know, I'd take my little jewel jig and saturate every single limb. Okay, every, and then go to the next one. Every single, very slow, very methodical. But you know, in sometimes in those tough tournaments, that's what you have to do. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, if you could have figured out how to get into that one creek, on right under the bridge as you described, that's yeah. that's the Salem Canal. You would have won the tournament by uh, <laughs> by double digits. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's I, a that's a landlocked creek that's yeah. special, very special. Sounds like the there. Salem Canal based off the way you described yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Question for him: How, how well, many uh, I, how I, many fish I, a day were you catching? Have, I figured I'd have to have a chainsaw to get into that one. And yeah. <laughs> Kev- Say that again, John. Kevin, how many fish were you catching a day? I would catch five. Uh, the first Monday and Tuesday, I caught. Uh, I think the first day I caught seven, seven keepers. Uh, the second day I caught six. The uh, third day I had five keeper bites, and I got four of them in the boat. Hmm. Um, Sunday I caught seven keepers on Sunday. Uh, that's that's good. Wow. That's good numbers. That's, that's good so, numbers for the Delaware that yeah. time of the year. Kevin, what we were hoping for as locals around here, we were hoping that when you guys came, that you'd unlock a bite that we didn't know about, like something like a deep bite on the edge of the shipping channels. Right. None of that ever came to fruition. But I would say you came the closest in terms of shocking us, because all of us overlook oh. Oldman's. Yeah, o- Oldman's is one that doesn't get a lot of pressure no, for not whatever at all. reason. Uh, it's it's bordered by other creeks and places that traditionally put out. Uh, bags and, and it's and such a long run away from where run. everyone else goes. It is a long run. You know? Yeah, it's it is a, big, a long run. Mm. No, it was a good job, Kevin. Yeah, it was an amazing job. Yes, it was. Was there a uh, was there a tide that was better for you? I know we kind of had crappy tides, but you were so far down, it was a little different for you. Was the low water better, or or did it matter? Was the high water better? 
You know, that's one of the things that kind of, I didn't, until I got back in there and, and kind of saw, you know, the, the different water levels, I didn't realize that being that far back off the river would make that big a difference in the tides. Because, you know, out on the main river, there'd be a, you know, six, seven foot swing, depending on where you were at. But back up in the back of that creek, it would only, it would only swing about two and a half feet at the most. So, uh, you know, it, there there didn't seem to be any one. I mean, I caught them. I didn't catch them as well on the high tide. You know, when it when it was you know dead full, you know that was that was probably the worst. Yeah. Uh, but any any and it, it didn't seem to matter if the water was going out or going in. But as long as it was moving, I could get some bites. Yeah. Yep, it's key. Water movement, fish position. Yep, water movement. It's always positions of fish. Yes, always. Key stuff. Beck, do we have any more questions came through IM? Do we want to shoot a couple more questions of Kevin? Any any shocking questions come through our instant messaging? I like the shocking questions. Uh, uh, no shocking okay. questions. I don't think these. We are don't want rod and reel questions. We want shocking questions. Oh, okay. Nothing about baits or rods or reels or line. Uh, toaster, strudel, or pop tart. Wow. Great, That's a good one. Great question. Actually, there was a good one in here that was really funny. Hold on. Um, somebody asked, other than having, oh, I gotta find it. It was so dang good. <laughs> other than having like unicorns as wives and something else, they asked what Mike and Kevin had in common. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you, you have unicorns. Unicorns as wives. You have to see uh, the the hot chick matrix to understand. Of course, that. you take the self-aggrandizing question and. Of course, I do. Wow, that was funny. You know, I think probably the only other thing that we have in common is we run the same boat. Oh, that was, that was what they cat. said. They bass said bass cat. cat and wives. I think that both of you tend to be misunderstood. Misunderstood. Wow. I think you have that in common. That might be maybe a little bit of a similarity. Are you maybe. misunderstood, Kevin? Like I've never thought of I've thought of myself as a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't I don't know that misunderstood has, has ever been one of them. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe when you go down to Key West I, wearing all that pink. I, I don't know. Defer, <laughs> I defer to the unicorn, okay? I totally defer to the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my god. Did you hear me on that kiss? Oh Lord. <laughs> Kevin. What'd you say? Yes. I said maybe you're misunderstood when you head down to Key West wearing all that pink. <laughs> oh well I have no doubt about that. You you just need to have the frameless glasses to go with it next time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Key no, but West. there was lots of great comments on here. People who attended the Edison show that really loved your seminars and it, it was lots great. of happy sure. people on here. It, it was great. I actually I don't know if you saw me back there, but I sat in for your seminars too, Kevin. So I've got detailed notes, and I'll be square billing behind you <laughs> this year. So yeah. uh, no, you're not gonna you're not gonna fish like that, man. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stay off. Oh my Canelli. Stay off my. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll stay away. Uh, 
let me tell you, we're all uh, super pumped up for you making the classic, uh, yeah. especially after what happened, man. What what an amazing effort. I, I don't know that that'll be in the history books, in my opinion. That's something that'll that'll be there for a while. And uh, and appreciate you coming on the show. Anything you want to plug, Kevin? Before we let you go, uh, you want to plug somewhere where people can follow you or a website or anything like that? I, yeah, the easiest place. I mean, the easiest and. and well, the, the funnest place is Facebook because, I mean, I do I do all of my on Facebook stuff with, it, you know, one or two exceptions. And, you know, if I'm, like, super busy and I've got something, Carrie might post something on there. But, I, you know, we do it all ourselves, and it's fun. If you just go to Facebook, KevinShort.KPink, you'll find me, okay? And, I, you know, send me a question, message me, whatever, I'll message you back. May take me a while. I'm not going to say that I'll do it fast, but I will message you back. All right. Thank you, Mike, for having me back. Always good to see you, guys. Love you. Call Thanks. me if you need anything. Thanks, yeah. Kevin. We'll see Thanks, you at the classic. Good luck, buddy. Thanks, Thanks so much. Job. Kevin Short, everybody. K Pink. Wow. <laughs> what a dynamic guest, man. The yeah. story of the safe blows me away. Isn't that yeah. amazing? Yeah, that's amazing. Story. I mean, his dad, eighty in his eighties, mm -hmm. just. How in made it through? How in the world does a 500-pound safe get sucked off, a bolted to the concrete floor? And the old man don't. The old man don't. The or the, the dryer dry. don't. It's amazing, isn't it? There's something going on What'd there. You say earlier, divine intervention. Divine, divine intervention. Tell us, Joel Osteen. Lay it out. Joel. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name, Joel Osteen. Joel. Right. Good job. Ah, man. that might be the that now, might be the other new nickname for the yeah. show. We'll have Listen, two of them. How about the <laughs> safe's amazing, whatever to wind, whatever. But let him keep it focused. <laughs> the focus. Man, to go out there yeah. and compete when your house is gone, dude. Yeah, I mean, how yeah. about that? Yeah. All the distractions going yeah, on. Yeah, and he cuts you, you, it. You're talking about insurance. You're talking about contractors. Yeah. Dollars and cents, dude. That's funny picture. Like, funny pictures of your best friends from 20 years ago that are gone. You can't hold yeah. them over their heads no more. Yeah. I don't know who's flat. That might be just us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Bits of sawdust that we could do DNA samples yeah. from. His focus is amazing. It's, well, uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. interesting how he described yeah. that, how he turned all that pandemonium into focus. Yeah, how you about know, it? You know what I mean? Like I, I can't do, do anything about it. Yeah. The, uh, fishing. the only thing I can do something about is fish. Fishing actually became a savior there. That's right. Because it, w it it allowed him to forget about it, which was a great thing. I would crumble like wow. a burrito in that situation. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, that's think I, would too. I think that's a sign yeah. of a true champion. I, I've is. seen that with you in your tournament angling. You know, sometimes, you know, the, that's your solace. Right. Getting into fishing, you know, when stuff's falling around, things are going nuts. But when you get out on the water, you're yeah. at home. Yeah, I, Beck, I fish the best, Beck, when my life is in shambles, so... Do something to destroy my life real quick, would you? <laughs> She's focused. But that's, the that's, but that's the intangible that these guys have. Yeah. That the rest of us don't. Mm. That they're able to to separate those distractions from from their from their plan. Yeah. And yeah. A lot of, most and all the greats have it in I, every sport. I think most most people need to have everything in order in order to achieve the best self that they can be. You know, they've got to have every duck in a row. Yeah. And then they they, they can find them best their best self. Uh, but, man, it, it is a true talent to be able to find that best self when when things are raining yeah, down around Yeah, it's another level. Yep. Yeah. And at the end of the year like that, too. I mean, he had three events left yep. to catch back up. I remember my rookie year in the top 100, uh, there was a Japanese angler that in we had, we had six tournaments back then and he made the classic in five wow in the top 100 he had to go back to japan for a visa or some kind of problem so he had to miss a tournament nori 
Norio Tanabe? I don't think so. Okay. It was before him. It was man, I can't I, honestly I can't remember. Bruce Lee? He made he made like the last classic spot that year from the top one hundred with just five tournaments Wow. Oh. Wow. Mr. Fuji. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fuji. Well, look, it was the year 1997. Maybe somebody can look it up at home. And yeah, tell give us. that to us. Uh, by the way, if you're watching um, and you're going back and forth between Ike Live and the football game, boo! Uh, I am us. Uh, l- l- give us a score update. We'd like to know. None of us are uh, college football fans in this room. I don't think any of us are, but we'd still like to know, right? Yeah. Is, uh, who's who's playing? The Eagles and yeah. Dallas? Or no? Who it, it? It's Ohio State and, okay. and Oregon. Oregon Ducks. Yeah, Oregon, Oregon yeah. Ducks. Okay. Do you have a Do you have a favorite there, or you just want to? I like Oregon because they got the cool uniforms. Okay. You know, I but I'm all but you know what? I I take that back. I like Ohio State because we're going to Columbus for the Bats University. Uh. Sorry guys, I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get we're some pulling, hate mail. Yeah, tomorrow. We're, pull, we're pulling for you guys. Fourteen seven Ohio State. Okay. Fourteen oh, seven. That's good news. That's what I'm saying. Ohio State. Okay. Where where are we at in the that's game, Bry? Halfway. Oh, I don't know. It's oh. good news because it's a good game. It's bad news for us because that means people are still watching. Well, it's good news for me because my boss is a huge Ohio guy. Okay. And my department's just suffered a yellow audit. So if he comes in tomorrow with the bad audit and a loss, wow. not as bad. You know? That is bad. He'll come in a little happy. Yeah. And my, my transgressions will be forgiven. Mm. Nobody knows <laughs> like so, Ohio. Mike. <clears throat> we can forgive your transgressions right now. Yeah. Would you like to say a prayer? Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Joel. <laughs> Joel. <laughs> Brian Carpenter, do we have, a, do we have a something happening back there? Yeah, we, we finally got the computer to, to play with us here. So oh, cool. we're oh, going to cool. play a song. Yes. Take a break. And take a quick Three point three minute forty six second break. Okay. Come back. Dial up our next guest on Skype. I'm okay. excited. I'm excited on this. You one. got it. You heard it there, uh, folks at home. Stay tuned. We're going to take a short uh, three and a half minute break, and when we come back, Joe Baylog, the smallmouth expert, to talk about a lot of stuff. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ike Live.
live. We are live. Folks at home, folks at home. Uh, back from a short break. Um, we had to take a little bit of a beverage break. I uh, want to give a uh, quick shout-out. Uh, look, look at this. Pete, can you believe these are still here? We still have these. I can't believe they're not gone. How, how's, uh, how's this possible? I honestly think we're down to the last couple. Liquid gold, man. Yeah. Liquid what gold. Is, what is it you're drinking? We are drinking. This is the uh, world famous. You've seen it before on the Ike Live show. Do we, ha- do we have a cross shot anymore, Briar? Or is that the closest that's, one? That's that's the shot. That's right? the shot. Okay. Uh, it's a Delaware River IPA. Amazing. Tasty. Tasty. Amazing. What a what a great brew, Scotty B. Scotty B. Thank you. Hey, Scotty. By the way, I didn't put that note on your truck. I just want, I just want to remind yeah. you. He, he put that. Note. I'm not. I didn't put that note on there. I don't want to say who did. Brian Carpenter. Oh, excuse me. Um, this guy. You know, we were half kidding anyway. Yeah, but feel free to whip up beer. another batch, buddy. We do. That we was, love your much beer. appreciated. Yeah, we we would love to have more of this. It's amazing beer. You're a genius. Mm. You know where we might see Scotty B? Where's that? Might see him in Massachusetts in February. Really? Yeah. Wow, is he coming up? Yeah, Scotty's thinking of making a trip up to uh, Bash U in uh, in Mass. Cool. Be well, careful be crossing state lines with the elixir. <laughs> 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 the batch. The batch. State lines. This the magic batch. elixir, Man. which warms my soul. It is. All right, so we've got. Uh, we're going to do. Uh, we're going to bring up Joe here in a second. Uh, what else you got going on, Pete? I think I see you writing notes like crazy over there. You doodling or? No, nah, just taking notes. I mean, one of one of the one of the cool people in the sport. Guy I really likes coming up next, and uh, we got a lot in common. We both love smallmouth. I just want to take a few notes of things I I wanted to ask him. Yeah. You know, and uh, I'm looking forward to yeah, talking to I'm, him. Yeah. I'm a fanboy, definitely. I am too. Well, when, it, awesome. when it comes to, you know, because I'm a fan of the sport, so I, I look on the web a lot. Like, I have a routine, and, you know, every day I, I wake up, I get my coffee, I go online, I check my email real quick, I go to Bass Fan, yep. I go to BassMaster.com, Bass East, Wired to Fish, Bass Zone. I go through all the websites, yeah. and I, I, I like to see what's going on in mm-hmm. the sport. And I love his piece. I love mm-hmm. Joe's piece. It's. Uh, very un, you know, it's very unbiased. He has a very honest opinion on topics. I like it. He's got an opinion. I don't always agree with yeah. him, but I like I like the way he presents, you know, the topics. See, yeah. I, I almost it's like I agree with him on everything. I'm like, damn, and he does it does it without being obnoxious. Right. Some of these writers don't have don't know how to. He has a he has a genius way of balancing his opinion. With not coming over as overbearing, yeah. I, you, you, know, yes. you feel decent. like you're you, it's, you're reading an intelligent piece of work yeah. amongst all the the, the craziness Trouble. that's going on in this sport. It's kind of the way I feel in this room, you know, being the intelligent voice amongst right. all. You're the, the voice crazy. of reason <laughs> that's going on in this room. But I, I I do love reading them. It's it's a great new column. It uh, great column. It's interesting. Great column on bass fan. Speaking of intelligence, uh, Pete, I'm I'm going to say that normally. Out of the crew, you're you are the most intelligent here. <laughs> Seriously, except tonight. Yeah, you're shotgun. Except tonight, John McGraw. <laughs> what's your IQ, John? I think you I think you a take four. the IQ award. What is it? My IQ is about a four. A four? That doesn't sound very high. That's like no. a four on some kind of scale that we don't know about, though. <laughs> okay. Pete you know, they got a, a five. Waste, a waste <laughs> engineer, like a toxic waste engineer or something like uh, that, right? 
We're digressing. All right, Sean. Like be quiet. Weight. I was going to environmental. Let's get to it. Uh, joining us uh, via Skype, uh, very exciting part of the show. Uh, and I think Joe's at home. We're going to ask him in a second when we get him on here. Joining us via Skype, Joe Baylog, everybody. Uh, Joe Baylog. How you doing tonight, Joe? I'm doing great. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Are you watching this football game, too? Do you have, like, eight monitors in your office, and you've got the no, football game, no, typewriter? <laughs> I, I've been watching your show, man. That's what I've been watching the whole time. All right. Yeah. Like that. Man, well, you're, I, we, we have a huge audience that watches the show. We <laughs> normally have about 30 people. So Tens. You were 31 tonight, so we appreciate that. We appreciate that. What is happening in your part of the country? Uh, I, I just got back from an ice fishing trip a couple weeks ago. I know you do a little ice fishing. You have enough uh, hard water up there to, to be doing that stuff? Are you driving out in the ice right now? Yeah, we don't drive much. You know, I live on St. Clair, and we don't drive much on the ice because St. Clair doesn't get super great as far as ice but we get enough to walk on and, and take four wheelers on so i got really heavily involved in ice fishing about four or five years ago i i just i've always been an outdoors kind of guy and I, I hunt a lot and i fish a lot and i got to do something every day for a little release so i started getting into ice fishing and uh i'm head over heels for it now i gotta tell you i i do it a lot i, I ice fish this afternoon it, it it's awesome it's fun i was trying to explain to these guys you know i think Especially down here, the further you get south, you know, you hit New Jersey, I think that's kind of the dividing line, you get further south, I think there's a big stereotype on ice fishing, you know, you have a house, you sit in the house, you crack the whiskey, you drink the beer, and that's all it's about. It's a shanty. It's a shanty, right, but I think that's, that's, that's bogus, man, you know, what I've seen is it's... A lot of skill, a lot of technique, understanding fish movement, it's all the same thing, it's just through hard water. Trying to yeah, endure the elements. You know, typically we don't fish out of shanties. I mean, we do some in uh, in flip over style shanties, but it's it's really similar to bass fishing the way we do it here. You use all artificial baits. You move a lot. Um, you know, it's a real aggressive style of fishing when you fish for perch in pretty shallow water. So I mean, it's it's you know five rods with five different lures and making drops with different baits to see how the fish react and moving a lot and it, it's it's really fun it's not just sitting on your butt it's it's really cool it's it's an aggressive style of fishing the way we do it here i love it uh, i love it too man it's uh we got to do last year we got to do the running gun style and i loved it this year when i went up there we had 20 below and we were stuck in houses and i didn't like it as much i, I like the running gun style i like the fact that the electronics were super important, you know. It was like it reminded me of drop shotting. You know, it reminded me if you were on Erie or St. Clair or, or Ontario and you're and you're looking on the graph and you're dropping down. It was the same kind of thing when I went, you know, with catching these fish, and that's that's exciting. You know, it's like video game fish. You, you mentioned shallow water. What what in the world are those perch doing up in that shallow water? You know, it's it's funny because today, for example, the best fishing that I place I caught fish was in three foot of water. Um, the perch, That's the crazy. perch come into the shallow water areas and chase shiners late in the fall, and they stay in those areas in the first part of winter. And we typically fish pretty shallow most of the winter. I mean, sometimes in the dead of winter we'll fish deeper, but for the most part you fish real shallow, real aggressive. And the coolest thing, which I had no idea about until I moved here to the St. Clair area, is you get in a flip over style shanty, and you look down the hole and you can see the fish. You know, so there's times we fish deeper and fish with flashers, but a lot of times here it's actual visual sight fishing. 
So wow. it's it's really, really cool because you get big, huge schools of fish come in, and then one or two great big ones will come in, and you got to kind of pull your bait away from the little ones and give it to the big one. It's it's so much like, you know, bass fishing. It's it's wild. It's it's really fun. That's crazy. Has the i got to tell you this, too. The, the bait that really surprised me last week, and we talked about it, Pete, a little bit on the phone the other day, is the jigging wrap, that the Rapala jigging wrap. Man, that thing is dominant when it comes for fishing through wow. the ice. And it's the strangest looking, weirdest looking bait. I mean, it's just like you, you, you hook it in the middle. It's got a couple hooks dangling. It's the weirdest thing. Is that a dominant bait too, Joe, for, what, for some of the fishing you're doing out there? Oh, yeah. It's, it's one of the top two or three ever perch baits, the little bitty one. It's a number two or a number three. Yeah. It's yep. phenomenal with no bait on it, just a little something on the treble hook to kind of give them something to grab. We just use a little plastic egg. But but on Erie, you know, it's the number one. The bigger ones are awesome for big walleyes, and they've used that since the creation of that lure. And they use that prior to ice and after ice for big walleyes, and we also catch some big smallmouth on it, yeah. which is bizarre, with no bait on it. How about but, that? But for walleyes in April, once the ice gets off, it's – it's the way to catch a King Kong walleye, I can tell you that. How about that? What a, what a cool bait. Uh, we, we were talking uh, right before you came on, Joe. Uh, you know, we've got, of course, this show, everybody in this room, we're a bunch of fish heads. We love it. We're diehard uh, fishing fans. And we've all gotten this routine here of, of going through the websites. You know, we make our daily stops at, at Bass Fan and Bassmaster.com and all the other sites. And we're a big fan of your articles. Uh, how, how did all that come about? We want to know. I mean, uh, honestly, you make the site a thousand times better. I, I, and I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. We love that column. We do. Yeah. We love the column. How, how did the whole bass, thing come, bass fan thing come about? How did, you, how did you get to write that, that piece? Well, I'll tell you, I, you know, I'm not born and raised an outdoor writer as you guys probably know i i have a little bit of background in marketing promotions and i also have a biological background and got a degree in fishery science ah, so, so i was going to be a guy that was either going to you know potentially fish tournaments for a living do sports shows do things like that and i got a little bit involved with some local outdoor writing and i've always been a big fan of certain styles of writing but i've always been a big fan of bass fans since it came on um, you know, as, as you guys know, being, uh, like you said, fish heads, I mean, we all read Bass Fan yeah. pretty much every day. And, and you'll go and you'll hang out with a bunch of guys at a tournament, and, and some will read one publication or another, but almost everybody there reads Bass Fan. So, so I was always a big fan of Bass Fan, and one thing that really started to bother me or, or gave me some idea is that you'd get together with a group of guys and you'd sit around and talk, and everybody would complain about the same thing, about... You know, whether it's the transparency of professional fishermen and lying about the lures they're using, whether it's the, the Department of Natural Resources isn't paying attention to the declining numbers of fish, whether it could be a million different things that you've seen some of the topics of the column. Um, but we all talk about that stuff. But then when you open up the magazines, just from kind of the evolution of politics and fishing, none of that stuff was really coming through from the media. So it was my idea when I talked with Bass Fan, and I think I had worked with those guys a little bit in the past and kind of contributed to some of their smallmouth stuff. But I said, hey, you know, if you give me a shot, I want to write a piece or write a column about, I can't even remember to be honest with you, all the topics, but I listed like 25 things off the top of my head that were just driving me crazy. And 
they liked it. So I wrote some sample pieces and they got, you know, tremendous feedback right off the bat. I, I really try hard as, you know, everybody probably knows I'm, I've been involved on the promotional side of the fishing industry for 20 years and I've got people that I've worked with for a long time, but, but I really try hard to put all that aside every week when I write that piece and just try and be like the guys that are sitting around talking about it after a tournament, you know, at dinner, whether it's just, just guys like us and try and, and really be somewhat impartial when I can be. It's, it's been tough, but, but I think that's what the industry really was lacking. Yeah. Well, it, you know, the articles were awesome. One, one that stands out in my mind is, uh, you know, like you talk about being impartial, is you wrote, you wrote an article that kind of is, is hard on tournament fishing, uh, that, that Champlain piece where, where they were tracking the bass and there was a negative influence on, uh, from tournament fishing. And uh, I thought that was pretty bold uh, to, to step out with that piece. It was, it was very interesting to me, and it, you know, must have been hard to, to write that and, and step out and, and take that position where maybe as, as a, gr- a group of tournament anglers, there's things we could do better. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, that's one thing that I've always um, felt pretty strongly about. You know, one of the reasons for stuff like that, obviously, is because we need to talk about those things and address those things before they become such a problem that it's doom and gloom. You know, we, we need to look forward um, within within the industry and within fish care and a lot of different things that we do that we take for granted, um, you know, and, and kind of try and plan for the future with a lot of those things. I mean, we, we read about that and we heard about that, you know, the visions of some of the people that, that really put our sport together in the first place, whether it was Ray Scott or all, all the pioneering people that brought tournament fishing to, to what it is now. And, and a lot of that back then, you know, those guys were really visionaries with a lot of what had to be done. For instance, just, just the, the, the beginning of the catch and release programs. And, and I've read a lot about, you know, other people within the sport that did a lot for fish care and, and, and some of the insights of, of, you know, chemical additives and live wells and all the different things and how that all came about. And I think, you know, if it's not me, I don't know who it's going to be. I mean, we, we have to be realistic about those things and we have to look at them and address them because if something happens to the fisheries, whether it's from a political standpoint where we look really bad and people rise up against, you know, tournament fishing or the fisheries themselves take a decline, that's the bottom dollar of our sport. You know, yeah. we, we all want more fish. We want bigger fish. We want clean fisheries. But but we have to address those things. And I, I saw it firsthand on Lake Erie in the mid-90s. You know, we had fishing on Lake Erie in the early to mid-90s that was unbelievable compared to what it is anywhere I've ever been still to this day. I mean, where you frequently would drift fish with two rods and have doubles on almost continuously for hours on end, catching 60, 70, 80 fish a person, you know, big smallmouth every day. And I watched those numbers go down, 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 down to where I can remember tournaments in the not so distant past where it was hard to catch five. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I'm not that old of a guy and we're talking about. 15, 18, 20 years later, going from 200 fish per boat per day to like seven. Now, granted, there was a lot of stuff that was involved, whether it's exotic species and gobies and, and water quality and all these things. But a big part of it, I really thought, you know, was was relocation of the fish and, and taking all these tournament caught fish, you know, and, and having crappy release methods and crappy places with beat up fish. And I think we kill a lot of fish. So, so I think we really need to look at that on a lot of different fisheries because we can't do that. Long-winded, I know. 
<laughs> no, no, Joe, keep going, man. No, You're that, awesome, dude. That was that was great, and I, I I couldn't agree more. I know I know at the Bass University we like to focus on caring for the catch. I think it's it's important for all anglers, and and I think you're right. We need to do some things. But you stumbled onto something that I think is very interesting. You talked about the mid '90s when the fishing was so amazing out on Lake Erie, and I and I have on my note page here the goby. At some point, the goby it got involved at Lake Erie. Were you fishing up there when all of a sudden the gobies were there? They weren't there and then all of a sudden they were there. Do you, do you remember, were you fishing at that time? Oh yeah, that was like in 97. You know, wow. the the whole thing, I don't know if you know, but the very first goby lure that ever came on the market I designed. And that was that poor boy's bait. <laughs> I got a pile of them, dude. Yeah, widely, widely <laughs> popular. Now it's a, it's a, it's a a category of soft plastics at least in this part of the world but i mean we were fishing and that was just about the time that we really first started drop shot fishing a lot and and we were noticing that the fish were spitting up gobies and and that's another perfect example of of why you really why fishermen are so important to the resource at the time after we witnessed that myself and my buddies fished up there every day we saw all these gobies being spit up by smallmouth, and at the time, the Ohio, um, I think it's the Division of Wildlife there, not the Department of Natural Resources, but the government agency there, you know, basically said that smallmouths weren't eating gobies. And then the following year, they said that they felt that 15 or 20 percent of their diet was gobies. And then the following year, they said it was 50 percent. And the following year, it was 75 percent. And the following year, it was 90 percent. And it was like, wow. you know, for five years, we've been telling you the fishermen eating gobies. The lake's becoming overrun with gobies. Everywhere you'd go when you'd put your bait on the bottom, gobies would just shake your rod until something else ate it. I mean, it was unbelievable how many gobies were in the lake. But they also contributed to an overall increase in the size of the fish. I mean, that that goes without saying whether that's been scientifically proven or not. I mean, we saw Lake Erie, if you go back even in the tournaments history, you'd see that the weights at those times, 16, 17, 18 pound stringers were winning tournaments. It was rare to catch a fish over four pounds. You caught a lot of three pounders, but you almost never caught true five pounders. And now as both of you guys know, um, you know, that tournament that, that Mike won on the, on the Western Basin at Erie just a couple years ago, I don't remember what the weights were, but I think I had, you know, pushing like a four and three quarter pound average and I couldn't beat them. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, that there's so many five and six pound smallmouth in yeah. the Western Basin of Erie. And it's, it's mainly because, of, you know, there's, there's a huge food source with gobies. There's gobies everywhere. We use underwater ca- uh, cameras all the time. And, and there are gobies everywhere you put a camera down on Lake Erie. And there's less now than there was then. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I I didn't get to see it that up close and personal like you did, but I I saw the changes over the years and how important that became. But I tell you something, smallmouth fishing in general is just a different animal, you know. And, and and it's hard. We deal with guys all the time that live down south and never caught a smallmouth, and then they get up north and they, you know, they don't get it. They don't understand it. Joe, what's made you such a good smallmouth fisherman over the years? Because, you know, that's really what you're known for. You know, you're you're a smallmouth guy, and you understand the movements. I mean, I can't remember an open in the last five years where you, you haven't been in the hunt to win it. What makes you such a good smallmouth fisherman? Because a smallmouth, to me, dude, they, they're constantly on the freaking move. <laughs> they don't never want to sit still. You know what I mean? They're, they're so movement-oriented. How, how do you get a good grip on, on how to understand their behavior and movements? Well, I, I have to, you know, 
have a little disclaimer there. I, I, I feel confident that I'm a pretty good smallmouth fisherman wherever there's smallmouth. And I've, I've gone places and done pretty well in some big tournaments other than, you know, my little neck of the woods here. But a lot of my notoriety and a lot of my uh, uh, success has come on Erie, St. Clair, the Detroit River, and, and kind of all basins of Erie from Buffalo over to, to our end. Um, and, and that's kind of twofold. It's understanding the fish, but it's also... You know, I, I grew up during the time frame when we kind of pioneered deep water structure fishing in the Great Lakes. That is unlike any other place in the world. So, so a lot of my success has not only been from being able to pattern the fish or do well, you know, a certain method of fishing, but it's also been adapting to those unbelievably unique conditions. Yeah. And, and when you go to Lake Erie, and there's a strong current or there's big waves or the weather gets bad and you're fishing deep. It's one thing to catch a bass in 35 foot of water with a drop shot. It's another to do it in 35 foot of water with a drop shot in six foot waves. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so myself and a few other guys that kind of grew up, you know, as, as the sport has evolved in our part of the world became very, very good at fishing in very bad weather and very tough conditions. You know, me, a, a guy that was kind of, my mentor through it all was Steve Clapper, who most people know Steve Clapper's name is a, is a legend yeah, in this part of yeah, the world. Yeah. And that, that's really, you know, a big part of it. You know, th there's been times when the weather has beaten more of the competitors than I have. So so that's part of it. But, but you know, getting back kind of to a smallmouth, you just kind of take a different notion. that They don't, they don't necessarily feed or, or school like a largemouth. Usually they school in bigger schools. They, they have a tendency to aggressively hunt down their prey regardless of if there's cover or not. You know, smallmouth will just come up in the middle of nowhere and just get on bait and, and, and just go crazy. They like sun a little bit more. So it's kind of a different fishing than what we've all learned about bass fishing. You know, that, oh, the sun's out, let's go flip docks. Well, when the sun's out for smallmouth, you need to crank. You know, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. So, so I mean, I guess probably, again, a long-winded answer, but probably to sum it up, it's just from having so much experience in this part of the world and kind of going against everything that you learn about bass fishing and really just kind of learning from experience on these big, massive, you know, wide-open fisheries that have huge numbers of fish. Yeah. So you always know if you're doing something right or if you're doing something wrong, because if you're doing something right uh, on Lake St. Clair, you're going to catch smallmouth really, really soon. You know what I mean? If you don't start catching them in the next 10 minutes, it's like watching you guys on Major League Fishing. If you're not catching them in 10 minutes, you're dead. So yeah. so you need to constantly evolve and change and try new stuff. Yeah. Lake Erie, the, all the Great Lakes, it's such a big – it's hard to describe people that don't know the fisheries. It's such a big body of water. i got to tell yeah. you something, and I'm honestly going to tell you this. It's kind of embarrassing, but um, the first time I was ever on big water – Lake Champlain goes back to our club days. Top Rod Bassmasters. I, I won a 374 Ranger, uh, you know, new to a bass boat, and launched it at a little place called the Passage uh, up at uh, Alberg, up in New York, uh, Vermont border. And the first time I was out in like four and five foot waves, pale, like got white as a ghost, scared, white knuckled. And you know, all these years later, I'm in my four, I'm in my mid 40s, Pete, and I'm still scared <laughs> under those conditions. I mean, there, that's the real deal. That's as close to being in the freaking ocean as you can get. And you, you've got to be able to handle those conditions. Well, it's you, fu it's funny you should mention that, Mike. Joe, 
<clears throat> what actually drew, drew me to your writings was an article you wrote about 10 years ago. And it pertained to how to big waterize your boat. How to secure your batteries, double trolling motor straps. Yeah. Do you remember the article I'm talking about? You know, I've done a bunch of those. I've done a bunch of, you know, long and short pieces like that and videos and things. But, but yeah, I mean, that was a real popular thing at one time. It, it's, it's another thing, too. You know, like I mentioned, we're kind of in the evolution stage of this part of, of bass fishing. Boats now are so drastically different than they were when I first started tournament fishing on Lake Erie. You know, I, I mean, just to give you some stories, I remember... And I'm not going to talk about boat brands or whatever, but I remember one particular boat I had that went back to the factory three times, and the entire boat got replaced all three times wow. because it was, you know, they couldn't even salvage it. I had another one that I put a battery actually through the floor down in the hull of the boat, and the battery wedged underneath my driver's seat, and we never got the battery out of the boat. So, I mean, oh my God. back then, I mean, they were just wood and fiberglass junkers, and we were taking them all the way across across the lake and just beaten to death. I mean, we used to take our trolling motor, believe it or not, when we would run a long run to go fishing, we would take our trolling motor off the front of the boat and store it down in the rod locker, strap down, and then put it back on the front to fish during the day, take it back off at the end to run in because they, we physically, there was not a mount capable of taking us from, say, Peely Island to Sandusky with those trolling motors. So wow. today it's a whole different world. I mean, the equipment That's... now... And part of that is, to be honest with you, for, for a number of years, myself and other guys have constantly sent in revisions and tips, and I'm constantly doing R&D for those companies. When Minkota has a new motor, they send me one. You know, and, 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 and one of the reasons for that is, is they say run it through the ringer. You know, chargers, whatever it is, if they're going to break, I break them. Yeah. But, but it's, it's very unique here. In, and and that again, it's it's all evolving. But today, it's so much easier. I mean, it's just so much easier. So so most guys got it pretty dialed in now as far as how to rig their boats because they I, come from the factory pretty rigged, pretty much the right way. You have any boats on the bottom of Lake Erie, Joe? I do not. <laughs> just because it's a just because it's an off the cuff show, I can tell you that I pulled three of them in that were about to go down. <laughs> three different bass boats over the time I've been out there, and one of them actually sunk in harbor. So wow. it's Ooh. it's possible. Well, wow. well, the other thing I was going to mention, if uh, if Minkota wants a trolling motor, test it. You could also send it to our uh, very own Dave Brodsky, <laughs> aka Fatty. He's been known to cut the shafts so short on a on a boat. He actually cuts the shafts down. The prop sticks out of the water. So Minkota wants to save, uh, send Dave some. He'll ruin them. That that did happen. <laughs> that did happen. That's that's true. That's true. Now I got another thing. It's actually a extension of what we're talking about, which is. Um, technology now right so you know as, as you're talking about you know you have a tremendous amount of history on lake erie and st Clair and detroit river it's amazing to me including myself how technology has helped anglers grasp that structure you know what i mean you look at a lake and it's that big and yeah. and you know when i look back at at uh, a couple of years back when i had that uh win on lake erie side imaging and structure scan was totally I give all the credit to that because a lot of what I found was so subtle but if you flash back you know five years ten years ago man I would have never found that stuff ever how did you operate on the massiveness of Lake Erie with no GPS that's impossible I don't get it how, how did, how'd you guys do it I can tell you but but like you said that that 
side imaging and that that type of technology is the most important thing in, in technology for fish and open water structure and places like that. Um, and that goes without saying. But I can remember fishing, you know, the first few years that I fished um, on Lake Erie in tournaments, I don't know how many years it was, but for several years we didn't have GPS yet. I remember getting one of the first GPSs. And when we didn't have GPS, you know, you typically fish kind of near shore areas at that time and you lined up with stuff on the bank. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, there, and there's a million stories about that. I remember one time we, we had a place uh, outside of Lorain, Ohio, where there was a billboard that lined up with a sewer pipe that, you know, <laughs> you got all this stuff down. Awesome. And there was this one little strip of rock, and, man, they took that billboard down, and I have never found that spot again. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's the, the totally bastards. Truth. Every time I drive by it, I see that sewer pipe, and I think I know it's out here somewhere, but I've never found it. But, but when we first started really fishing, when I first started fishing a lot and, and exploring new areas, specifically like around Peely Island in Ontario, um, I got the Richardson's char, uh, chart plotter maps, the, the big actual commercial shipping maps um, that were available at that time to commercial mariners and to sailors and things. And they had guesstimates, more or less, of areas of reefs. And, and they weren't super accurate, but they were fairly accurate, and we would actually get a grid um, and plot the latitude and longitude lines of those reefs, and we would wait until the lake was calm and turn on a flasher, because at that time, even liquid crystal graphs really didn't function well at any high speed. And you would run with a flasher on pad at 40 or 50 miles an hour and do zigzag patterns back and forth all along those areas that you plotted out. Wow. And eventually you'd find a little rise. That's and amazing. Then go from that rise, maybe throw a buoy and keep driving around and driving around. And most of the Compass? original places that I found and, and did real well in tournaments on, we basically chartered them ourselves. Using you know, a and, compass? And just drove around until you found the, the real cool spots. One of the things that was really enlightening to me is... You know, after that, we, we evolved into better liquid crystal stuff. We evolved into GPSs. And, the, and there, was, there was probably two things that seemed really, really cool. I could still remember the first time I ever used an Aquaview, and I put it down in a place where I had caught all kinds of big fish on, on Lake Erie. Um, and, and just to see the way the boulders were positioned on the drop-off and the whole bit, it was just an eye-opening experience to be able to actually see underwater for the first time. And then the other thing that really revolutionized fishing out there was it was probably in about 2006 um, was the year that, that accurate uh, chart plot chips came out for GPS units, Navionics and, and later now Lake Master yeah. and some other companies. And that was when they first got good maps of that part of, the, of Western Lake Erie. And it just took everybody from driving around and getting kind of close to good spots to immediately being right on the good spots. So it completely yeah. shut down the local advantage in that sense. Yeah, yeah um, but that local so, advantage. So that, I mean, technology is so advanced, but but probably side imaging and, and obviously those those mapping chips were, were probably the two things that just started the, the whole thing rolling. I mean, it's probably a toss-up in terms of local advantages, but I would think Lake Erie is probably the biggest local advantage body of water in the country. Okeechobee, you can argue. But Delaware River. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've always felt that, that the Great Lakes stuff, the big water stuff is, um, you know, we see that. 
I'm a big, huge fan of fishing, as you guys know, probably from reading my stuff. I mean, you, if you really went back and you researched it, you could you could make the argument for a lot of places. Kentucky Lake has a has a group of locals that are just pretty much unbeatable and have always been that way. Um, you you kind of see it in the tidal fisheries, too, in some places in Florida. But, you know, I think kind of going back to what we were saying before, I think the, the whole thing with, with, with the Great Lakes and especially with Erie is that guys just get adapted to that style of fishing. And they don't get rattled. You know, the, the weather and the water and everything, it is more like commercial fishing for tuna most days yeah. than it is bass fishing. It is nothing <laughs> like the, the difference in Lake Erie rough day drop shot fishing in five footers and flipping mats in Florida are so drastically different they shouldn't both be called bass fishing. I mean, there is, there's no comparison. There's no similarities whatsoever. No, I so, agree. Yeah. You know, when you get guys that are fishing a tour, that's that's one of the things. I mean, I might as well kiss your butt because I'm on your show, but that was what's unbelievable about Mike's win when he came here and won in, in Sandusky a couple years ago. Um, like I said, I did everything I could do to beat him and even caught two five-pounders in the last 10 minutes the last day. You know, but to be able to go to a foreign body of water and fish those conditions that week, we had rough water, calm water. We had tremendous current. The fish weren't biting. It was just a weird deal. And, I mean, that that shows you. We'll see. You'll see that here. You'll see an FLW event and, like, Nixon will win. You know, and then you yeah. see another one that, that somebody else wins that's a touring guy. And it's, it's, it's not because they're lucky. It's because wherever they go in the world, they can win. And we see that every year here. You know, you'll see a top ten on a on – a, on an FLW event or top 10 on the elite or whatever it may be. And you'll see like Southern guys or just guys that are always sticks everywhere they go and they'll, they'll win here. Yeah. And it's just cause they're, they're the pros. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a moment here. Beck, do we have some, uh, we, we've had a bunch of IM questions coming through, uh, and a couple Twitter questions. Do we mm-hmm. want to, uh, you want to throw a couple at, uh, Joe and, uh, see what we got. I do. I'm ready. Okay. All right. Joe. Erie Frankie wants to know that that was hard for me to read for some reason. Um, wants to know why graphite rods are better to use on smallmouth rather than glass rods using crankbaits. Yeah, I've, I've written about that a few times, and people I get that sometimes. The whole deal with um, cranking for smallmouth, open water cranking for big, big smallmouth is a large percentage of the fish don't come up and engulf the bait they'll come up and they'll thrash at the bait and 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 scientifically speaking that goes into the whole dynamic of the fish and the way the fish is built a four pound smallmouth has a tremendously smaller mouth and and mouth cavity than a four pound largemouth the four pound largemouth's got a mouth you know about like that and a smallmouth, a lot of times when there's multiple smallmouth in a the school, they'll actually kind of slash through bait. They'll, they'll hit your baits a lot before you'll actually hook them. Everybody that's smallmouth fish has done that. You're fishing a, a rattle trap type yeah. bait or a spinner bait, and it's thunk, 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 or a swim bait, and they're hitting it, and they're hitting it, and they're hitting it, and they finally get it. So if you have a glass rod in those situations, in my opinion, a lot of times you actually don't hook those fish as well as you hook them with a graphite rod that actually can push the hook into the fish better. So so I started cranking with graphite a number of years ago. Now a fairly flexible graphite, mm-hmm. you know, I use like a medium power graphite that's got a little parabolic bend in it, but I found I hooked 
so many more fish that were hooked on the outside of their mouth and then kept those fish on. The, the deal breaker is when you're catching smallmouth on a, a lipless bait or a crankbait or whatever it is, if if half the fish are jumping off, something is wrong. It's not because they're that great at jumping and throwing hooks. They are way better than largemouth, <laughs> but you still should land the majority of them. And what's happening is you're not actually penetrating their mouth with your hook. So I use a graphite rod. Um, and you'll feel the fish bump your bait a lot better with a graphite rod, and you can kind of change your retrieve, and you can catch them. So that's that's one thing I'm not backing down from. Everybody else can use glass for everything they want, but you come here, you better use graphite. <laughs> awesome. Um, there's also an interesting conversation going on on IM between folks um, about fizzing fish. So Ooh, this is kind fish. of a conversation for everyone and and opinions but there's some people who are saying they hear that it's bad other people saying it has to be the right situation so is my mic not working again no it's working um so thoughts comments everyone fizzing joe well i can tell you that the the, the one thing is um you know biologically speaking smallmouth are harder to keep alive than large mouth yeah and the reason for that is they require more oxygen um, now, I'm not talking about largemouth in the middle of the summer in Florida. I know those are hard to keep alive in, in different parts of the world. But I'm saying just given the same temperature and the same, the same deal. Um, in our part of the world, we see a lot of fish that die or are almost dead at weigh-in. And a lot of times people try and justify a lot of bad habits by then saying, oh, well, I'm going to fizz them, and that's going to make them better. I can tell you this, that I never fizz fish. I can do it, and I've done it to hundreds and hundreds of fish. And if I'm practicing, as soon as I catch a fish, I release it so that you don't have to fizz it. And in a tournament situation, I never fizz them. But in a tournament situation, I use a oxygen tank on my boat that puts live, pure oxygen in my water. I carry anywhere from 20 to 30 pounds of ice in my boat for the day's fishing, and I routinely ice my fish, and I use catch-and-release formula um, and non-iodized salt. I use a whole bunch of different things to make my, my live well environment a happy little place. And when I bring my fish in at the end of the day, and they go in the bump tub to be weighed, every guy that's ever bumping those fish has always said to me, man, it's like a grenade goes off. My fish hit the tub, and they just go crazy. They're in great shape. I never fizz them because a I don't I don't feel they need it and b that's the only way that I'm ever going to kill one is if I fizz it wrong so I just leave them leave them be and if they float up in the tank um, you know in the release boat then you've got a professional fizzer there who can then fizz that otherwise very very healthy bass who's totally able to swim and make you know have a great day and now he can fizz them to get them upright and that fish is totally healthy and totally good so I don't fizz them. Um, if I had to hold one in a live well for a long time, if we were shooting pictures or whatever, would I fizz them? Yeah, you'd probably have to. But but in a tournament environment, I don't fizz them. I, I have to agree. I, I don't fizz them either for a lot of the same reasons. But what I would like to see on your next Bass Fan article is exactly what you just said about how you treat those fish and the, the pure oxygen pure oxygen, non-iodized salt, all those steps you take to keep those fish alive, boy, that'd be a great, great piece. We'd all like to learn more. You said you read them every week. I did one of those already. Uh, <laughs> oh, that, that was the week uh, Pete was working out. He was in the gym. That he was week. in the hospital with the flu. Yeah, uh, he, had, he had the flu. I'll find it. Good job, Pete. Yeah, Good job. Well, I did one, you know, and I know that's not, it's, it's not 
feasible for everybody to do, you know, all those different steps. But I can tell you um, probably the thing you can go away with, two things are uh, the best thing you can do is reduce the water temperature in your lime well and, and to constantly, you know, bring those fish fresh water, fresh water, fresh water. The, what, you, what you really need to do to, do to sum it all up and to do it easy and quick is constantly have flowing fresh water on your fish for at least the first three or four or five hours of the day. And then once it starts getting warm and it's late morning and you're thinking you only got a couple hours left to fish and then you're going to have to run in, at that point, fill your live wells up, ice your live wells down, use a full bag of ice for two live wells, and bring your temperature way down, put catch and release on those fish, close the lids, and leave them in that cold treated water for an hour. Yeah. Then drain three quarters of that water out, fill them back up, ice them again, catch and release them again, leave them in that water. You can get that water down in the 60s, you know, high, low 70s. It, it, it makes a world of difference. The big key is to constantly run your pumps and to get your water cold. Yeah, mm. you got you've Agreed. got to take care of them. Uh, I'm looking here. I've got the uh, Twitter up, and we're looking at a couple questions here via Twitter. And we've got one from it says Dan, and it says uh, Joe. Is it true Harold Sharp is a douchebag? No. <laughs> I will say he's opinionated. <laughs> it's pretty easy. I mean, you know, you got to have all walks of life and everything in order to be a somewhat well-rounded person. I'm 40 this year, so I'm going into my next stage of life with that kind of attitude. Um, so, so I think that... You know, it's good to have somebody like Harold Sharp because Harold Sharp represents a different, a whole different genre of bass fishermen and a different, a different generation. You know, most guys that are fans of your guys or, or, or possibly of me or whoever it is or fans of fishing now that are getting involved, you know, somebody that's 20, 30, you know, years old really doesn't doesn't necessarily know what went into professional bass fishing in the in the 60s, 70s, early 80s. You know, when, when so many things were constantly changing. And I think it's good because a lot of times his opinion is, is just like what we were talking before. I think he kind of sees things as, man, this could happen or that could happen. Now, I don't agree with a lot of stuff. He, you know, he's always talking about having draw style tournaments and things. I think that's, that's not the way to go. But he doesn't agree with some of my stuff either. So whatever. But I think it's good to have a lot of different opinions from everybody who, maybe a 17 year old kid who's just now seeing the, how this whole game works to a guy that was fishing, you know, back when they were top 100s or whatever, even earlier than that, to fish super bass, you know, or whatever. So, I mean, you got to have all that to, to keep things blended. Right? Otherwise, we'll end up in this, this, you know, it'll be it'll be a flash-in-the-pan type of thing where we'll be real popular. Bass fishing will be real popular for four or five years, and then they'll it'll just fall off the face of the map, and people say, whatever happened to that? We don't want that. That's a, that's a really well-phrased answer to the question, but I, I suspect that that question didn't come from Twitter. <laughs> it might not have. Uh, but I actually do have a real Twitter question here, uh, and this, is, this comes from Richard Cobb. And Richard Cobb wants to know about your experience on the Upper Bay, the Susquehanna Flats. Mm. You did fish down there, Joe, a couple years back. What did you think about that tidal fishery? I thought it was good. You know, that I, I, I want to say that um, I fished a couple tournaments there, and and one of them I did real good and had one of the biggest stringers of the event, like the second or third day. I think the guy that won, I don't remember how it all worked out, but it run, runs in my mind that he kind of walked away with it. But... but um, 
man, it was typical title. It was like, you, you know, if you see Pete fishing, you go fish right behind him and, and just figure that you at least have that as one of your good spots because he only fishes the best <laughs> spots. I noticed he fished a couple things that I found in practice, so I figured I was on the right track. But, but um, you know, it was I, I – you look at stuff, it looked great. I felt like it was great. We weren't there at the right time for the Susquehanna Flats, I don't think, to really be really good. But the fishing there was, was really cool and really fun. I mean, I, I love places like that. I, I It would take me a lifetime to figure it out. I know that. Tidal fishing, I'm still – I love doing it. I've done good and bad. It's you got to have some serious balls to title fish and to do it the right way because the right way to do it is, is just to run it and know how to fish it. And when you do and it all clicks, man, you're, you're a hero. They're easy to catch. They're like catching creek chubs in the in the back, you know, in the creek. I mean, they're so easy, it's unbelievable. And then the very next day, you can't get a bite. So yeah. I'll let you guys fish tidal waters for the rest of your lives. I'll stick up here with these giant <laughs> <laughs> <Japanese> schools. <laughs> Speaking of that topic, I don't know, a, a lot of our viewers might not know this but joe you did qualify for the elites i think it was back in 2011 and turned it down do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah you know i i um i i think i'm i'm realistic in that for me you know that's not something that i i aspire to do at least not in this point in my life it was at one time um and it, it wasn't that i couldn't you know i i own a, a pretty pretty good size promotional marketing company i'm involved in the hunting industry um so i, I could i could be that flexible can I you break dance it. joe can i break dance yes <laughs> no oh there you go there's not many things i can actually do well i can kind of fish good i'm pretty good at shooting ducks but other than that that's that's about it but but i i um i i guess the to sum it all up it's just Something clicked four or five years ago with me where I realized that that wasn't necessarily what I wanted out of fishing, and and I don't I don't want it to sound like it's not tremendously hard or it's not an incredible sacrifice because it is because that's what people don't understand is that guys like yourself or guys that are touring guys that that's all they do is fish. I'm not talking about a guy that's got a business and he takes off and goes and fishes a tournament and he goes back to his business. I'm talking about a guy that's all he's doing is either fishing or promoting himself. And building his brand and doing all those things, um, that is for like one out of 10,000 tournament fishermen. Not one out of 10,000 people. One out of 10,000 guys who already tournament fish could have the not only the, the skill and the ability, but to be able to do all those things. Your, your, your lifestyle and the amount of time you spend on the road and all the sacrifices everybody that knows you has to make and your family has to make and... I'm just, you know, it just wasn't for me to do at that time. I like, I like ice fishing. I like duck hunting. I like doing all the things. I like being home a little bit more. At one time, it wasn't a big deal, but but anymore, it just seems to be. So so I'll leave that to the guys who are a lot better at it than I am. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. That's I, for sure. Yeah, I can certainly understand. That's a, it's a it's a tough commitment to make to go out and and it's 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 a life changing deal to go after that tour level stuff. And, uh, you know, I can appreciate the fact that you're one that is qualified for it. There's a lot of people that are working real hard to be able to do yeah. it, and, and you can count yourself as a super talented angler to be able to say you've qualified for the elite. Yeah. I will say this, though. It's definitely harder to qualify. I mean, looking at the whole way the industry is, 
I think I qualified one year, and I think I missed it by a point or two one year, and I don't know if I was an alternate or not. Probably not, but it's harder to qualify now than it was just three or four years ago. Tremendously harder, and it's for two reasons. Number one is there's more guys chasing it that are more dedicated, and number two is the industry has kind of flexed a little bit and if you've noticed, they've put a lot of the that's put a lot of the elite level and FLW touring level guys back in those AAA uh, formatted tournaments, whether it's the Opens or the Railbacks, whatever it is. And though you know the, the guys like you and, and, and guys that are tour fishermen, they're they're not tour fishermen because they're not good at it. I mean, they're good at it. So when you put Kevin Shortman open or or Mike or you know whoever it is or you see a lot of the big guys you know the 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 FLW's best guys fishing the railbacks you start eating up a lot of those slots you know if you're competing against those guys those guys are really really good so it's because of the way the industry is now where there's fewer true professional tournaments and, and guys are doing it more to supplement their income and to stay visible and to stay fishing it's getting really hard I, I think that's one thing that that a guy that says I'm fishing, you know, I'm fishing my way up and I'm going to qualify and I'm going to do this for a living and he's a he's a still kind of a nobody or he's a triple A level guy. I think that's one thing he could complain about right now and that that'd be the first the first thing I'd be complaining about is that man, they got to get, you know, all these tour level guys in these triple A events, it's just it's not it's not working in my opinion. Yeah, so I agree. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, you know, there needs yeah. to be more tournaments for for elite guys and for FLW guys where they could fish, where they come up with a number that's good for them whether it's 10 or whatever it may be. You know, because I, I think they're just they're beating down the other customers of those organizations yeah. and eventually those guys are going to get sick of taking those beatings. <laughs> Joe, um, change the subject a little. Excuse me. Two tests. What the hell yeah. is that in your throat? <laughs> Dude, I got some of that beer trapped in there. Joe, oh. listen, what drew me to you was your writing. I guess my question is, who do you have? A, do you have an inspiration that that allowed you to be the type of writer that you are? Is there someone that you like? Someone you followed? Because you have a really decent knack of getting a strong opinion across without coming off as overbearing. Well, I'll tell you what, there's probably a lot of different people that, that I admire their writing, and, and they're not, not all related to fishing. But I will have to say that when it comes to the fishing portion of it, not necessarily just like opinionated pieces and bass fan, but anything that I'm involved in that I write, I've always been a huge fan of in fishermen. And, and there's there's been some great, great writers and still are some great writers there that I think just really kind of reflect on fishing in the way it should be more than, you know, politics. So I, I'm sure that's a big part of it. Um, you know, other other people's writings or other people that have really influenced me, Don Worth is a guy that writes in the fishing industry that's influenced me a lot. Um, you know, I, I've had I've had people that I've looked up to or that, that I really like the way they held themselves in the fishing industry and what they did for fishing. One was Doug Hannon, um, who, who was a you know world-renowned big bass fisherman in Florida. Another guy was named Bill Murphy on the West Coast, who was a renowned structure fisherman from California. So I mean, I got a little bit of a lot of different things in me when it comes to that stuff. But but I, I can't say one writer is more than more than any other. But probably in fisherman when I was young. That's cool. That's awesome. That's I, awesome. I'm I'm not sure you want to talk about this, Joe, and um, but I'm going to bring it up, and you might already know. You were dominating the open that we just fished out at Lake St. Clair. You had it locked. You had a five-pound lead over second place. You had one of those crappy big water problems that, that get you. 
and uh, you wound up not winning that tournament. Um, you know, I, do you want to talk about that a little bit? I mean, how how did that go? That that had to be a very very difficult thing to manage. Yeah, I'm I'm actually glad you brought it up because I uh, it's the second time somebody brought it up to me in the last few weeks, and both times I was surprised that I didn't even really remember it. I mean, I, I remember it, I think about it a lot, but but it's not. You know, it's it's not something that's going to change my life. But just to sum it all up, exactly what happened is I fished that tournament. Um, it was out of Lake St. Clair. A lot of guys were running really, really far and fishing down on Lake Erie. I had intended to do that, but the first day of the tournament, uh, it was a little rough going down to Lake Erie, and I had one place in Lake St. Clair close to the ramp that I knew I could catch a couple of big ones. So I thought I'd start there, and I ended up catching 23 pounds or something. So it was a great start. So I fished there the second day and caught almost 26 pounds and had a commanding lead in a tournament that's a mile from my house uh, where I was fishing two miles from the ramp where weather <laughs> couldn't beat me. Mm. And my motor broke down the last day. Oh, and man. I got out on the lake and basically was dead in the water and probably did the wrong thing. You know, I was so committed to fishing in that area and I knew I could go there and catch fish, but, but I also knew I was, I was kind of in an uphill climb because boat traffic gets really, really bad on St. Clair on the weekends. And it was, it was in an area of high boat traffic and I knew I'd have to catch them in the morning. And probably what I should have done is I should have just went on my trolling motor somewhere and fished. And instead I called the marina and called a tech guy and called the marina and called a buddy and called the tournament director and dropped 25 calls in a row on my cell phone and went back and forth with all this crap. And next thing I know, I ended up swapping out boats and I didn't get out until 2 o'clock or 1 o'clock or whatever it was. Oh, I had an hour to fish mm. oh. and uh, didn't catch them. You know, didn't have enough time, was all spun out by then. I actually had two real big fish on that came off. And, oh. And probably it would have been close had I caught those, but I don't know. It was just one of those deals, you know. I've had it I had it go both ways. I had a tournament in 2006. I won an open that I never should have went where I went, and I never should have driven in the conditions that I did to the place I went. And how I didn't die, I have no idea. <laughs> that went my that one went my way. This one didn't. I just. It is what it is. Yeah, that's that's well, fishing. Well, that's fishing. There's I tell you, there's downs. I'm telling you, but. For two days, you you were everybody thought that you were running the Lake Erie. I mean, Baylog yeah. is famous for running the Lake Erie, making those long runs. Yeah. You just said you were staying real close, fishing Lake St. Clair. I mean, what what were you doing? I mean, you were commanding the tournament. You want to talk about the patterns uh, a little I, bit? I was crankbait fishing, just a big isolated grass flat that had some high spots on it. You know, St. Clair has changed so much the last few years, mainly because of fishing pressure, and and it's. It's a lot different now, and it's hard to stay on big groups of fish, and it was kind of a place that was right out underneath everybody's nose, and it was a place that I always would catch one or two big ones kind of two, you know, going to or from a weigh-in, and I'd stop there, and occasionally I'd catch a big one, but you'd only catch one. It was never a place you could keep casting into a school, so I kind of committed to it a couple times, and, and I, I went there and practiced one day late in the day when nobody was around, like an hour before dark, and I caught a real big one. And I spent some time driving around and kind of figured out, again, using side imaging, which you wouldn't think that, you know, it's so different than Lake Erie. I'm talking about 10 foot of water and grass, but I mean, using side imaging, I could see the little clean spots. It was a place that actually, when I found it, I found it with my eyes on a real clear day where you could see the bottom. Mm, and this was six or eight years ago. And I kind of figured out how it all laid and it, there wasn't a lot of fish there, but when you caught one, it was real big. And 
the first two days, you know, everything went right in the tournament for me. I even even that that second day, I had a I had three great big ones and and two mediocre fish in my last two stops, my last two waypoints. I caught a five and a six, and I called like a two and a half and a three. I mean, on almost back to back cast. So I mean, everything was going great and great and great. The last day, it just didn't work out, but. But that's what I was doing. I was just cranking an area that the current was right, and there was some perch, and there was just a couple hundred really monstrously big fish there, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and there was another competitor actually that fished it. I didn't know until the last day. Stetson Blaylock fished over there, and he caught twenty-two pounds or something the last day. So I would wow. guess I could probably have done something similar, but I don't know. Maybe next time. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. It's funny how that tournament fishing is. It's you know. Things go your way, it's like you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. And then when things go the other way, yeah, that's right. it's it's ups and downs. You can't turn. Uh, it, for everybody that's watching, what an amazing show this was. Uh, Joe, i, I got to tell you, you know, we're on show 13. In my opinion, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to go ahead and say it. You've been our best guest. I'm telling you. I've, oh, I'm telling you. I thought for sure I've, you were going to say I was the 12th best guest. No, no, no. <laughs> I put you at number one on show 13. I, I sat here and listening, and I learned a lot. It's amazing. But uh, folks at home watching, uh, please go visit Joe on on uh, his Bass Fan column. Uh, new one, it seems like, every week up there. Uh, very informative. Joe, do you want to plug something while you're here? Do you want to let people know how they can follow you on social media or how, how they can get a hold of you and follow what you're doing yeah i'll tell you what uh my company is millennium promotions um and we are currently still building a a website i've I've had the company for a while but we're just getting a new site um so so i pretty much do everything i have two facebook pages and everybody always looks for joe baylog and finds me but what you need to look for is joe baylog's millennium promotions and that's the one that all my stuff whether it's in the waterfall world or the fishing world anything that i'm involved in goes through that that's by far the easiest way to get a hold of me or to see, you know, what's going on in my world. The Bass Fan column comes out every Thursday. Um, you know, you'll see some stuff I do for Realtree.com, too, if you're ever on the Realtree page. But but other than that, I'm good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. And i got to say, Mike, I, I, I was really impressed about the announcement about the charity that you're involved with now. And I, I'm going to do something about that probably with Bass Fan eventually. I just think that is the greatest idea anybody's had in a long time to really helping out kids. So, Kudos to you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. Joe Baylog, everybody. Joe Joe. Baylog. Bye, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Hey, Mike Pete. What do you think? An adjunct professor for Bass U? (laughs) Man, I'm telling you. (laughs) Hey, Joe, you know, we didn't even talk about that. Fish maintenance? Joe's speaking for us. He is. He's going to be in Massachusetts uh, giving a seminar about smallmouth drop shotting. Uh, in Massachusetts this year, he's got to add in his maintenance, the fish maintenance part. That's yeah. a great. That's a oh, great yeah. topic. That's yeah. a great topic, and it amazes me how many people come to Lake Erie or Champlain or whatever it is, never smallmouth fished, big water, and they show up and just don't even take it into account. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just launch, and then they get in those big waves. They put the smallmouth in. They're not doing those things they're supposed to do. And then about 12 o'clock, they open the live well, and they're, they're all floating. You got the mm-hmm. foam this high and yeah. a bunch of bellies up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's That's all awesome. white foam. looks yeah. like a freaking yeah. beer. Thanks you know? for that. 
It's amazing <laughs> how many people do that. Yeah. But a topic like that's interesting. Yeah. And people need to know it's, a, it's important. Yeah. And, and rough water boating. And I've been level flotation out there in the big water. I've been out in 12 foot waves. Yeah. Had, you've had trolling motors ripped off. I remember. Oh, completely. You ran to Henderson Harbor and ripped your trolling motor completely. off. Completely. That's what he was sheared, talking about. Completely off. Sheared the, the trolling motor, <laughs> the foot pedal, everything gone. <laughs> Solely uh, had to beach his boat where there was no beach. He beached it on the rocks. <laughs> he beached it on the rocks. And it destroyed the, bo- the uh, boat. The freak this, dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude. I had to beach it on the boat. Dude. Good dude. Stuff. On the rocks. <laughs> uh, man, what a, what a cool guest. Uh, real quick, I want to say, great time to talk about it. Joe mentioned the Ike Foundation. I do want to talk about that real quick. It, it's really cool. Um, Beck, you, you, I want to get you on, too, Beck, uh, talk about it a little bit. Just a great deal. If if you don't know about it already, uh, you can go to my website, mikeikinelli.com, backslash Ike Foundation, get a little bit more information on it. Dude, basically, the whole thing is trying to get more kids fishing. You know, we talked about it at BU. Uh, you know, what we're doing is we're donating equipment. And here's the deal. You know, everybody out there, you, you, all of us, have equipment that we're not using. It's in the garage. It's collecting dust. But it's good equipment. You know, it's new or it's gently used. That's the stuff that we need to get to kids, to get to kids' groups and transfer that over and let, let them experience fishing. That's a big one. And I want to talk about it a little bit. Dude, back in the day, you remember, Dave, Bry. Running me, New Jersey. We were like there were like th- three of us, four of us that liked to fish. Yeah, and that was a key part of our life. You know what I mean? You're you're eleven, twelve, thirteen years old. There's a lot of bad shit you can get into w- when you're that old. Seriously, it was hockey, bass fishing, and BMX ride, BMX yeah. bikes, man. Yeah. That was it. And throwing rocks at cars. And throwing <laughs> rocks at cars. Uh, <laughs> But but fishing was an amazing outlet for us. Like, go back in time, Dave. Close your eyes and imagine you didn't have that. There was no Roberta. There was no Dot. There was no Mert to take us to these different places. <laughs> imagine it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that was a huge, important stage. Yeah, man. And, and, and that's, that's a lot of places and a lot mm-hmm. of places in the country where you have, you have youth that don't have the outlet, you know what I mean? Especially you talk, you start talking cities, mm-hmm. you start talking the, the northeast, places that where hunting and fishing isn't a way of life. There's a lot of kids, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, that have never experienced fishing. Mm-hmm. That's sad. It, That's it, a shame. It's and it, it, Fishing is a passion. When, once you get exposed to it... You find it, uh, it, you find it addictive as anything else in the world, and it's it's such a good passion. Yeah, it's such a good way to spend your time learning about the environment. It's it's a very constructive way for a young person to to spend their time, and without without that exposure, I mean, what you're talking about is giving that a, allowing kids to have that exposure that the experience. they wouldn't get otherwise, yeah. and it, it it keeps the kids at it because when you're not when you don't have that passion. Or that that activity that you're passionate about, that's when you can get into trouble. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's when you get bored and you do those things you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Brian yeah. and I were talking. At least one encouraging thing is you still can see young kids on the on on the the shorelines of our lakes fishing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't see kids doing. You don't have to. You don't see kids dragging hockey nets out in the middle of the street anymore. Yeah. You don't see kids in the fields playing football. Yeah. You definitely don't see them riding BMX bikes on tracks like we did. Yeah. Like at least at least there's still kids on the sides yeah. on the sides of the lakes, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 such an amazing sport because it's so easy to access. Mm-hmm. A rod, a reel, 
And it doesn't even have to be freaking hardcore bass fishing. A bobber and bait. And that's that's what it takes, you know? It's, it's simple. You know, and there's so many bad things kids get involved in nowadays. Look at McGraw. Video games. <laughs> dude, he's asleep po- out there. Pocket he's, ball. He's sleeping, dude. He's, yeah. he's sleeping. Oh, yeah. Pocket ball. Comes to the first ton, show. A ton of bad things you can get involved yeah. in. Uh, but, but definitely check out the Ike Foundation. And I think what we're going to do, Brian DeCarpenter, if, yes, if I'm right, I think what we're going to do here is I want to say one more thing. Say one thing. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We're running a little late. I'd uh, like... Yeah, could, you, could we do the trivia? Well, I was I was going to say you, let's do let's do it in the after hours. Let's do it in the after, do after hours. Okay. We're gonna, we'll start the after hours and hold that up, Pete. Wait, wait. Can I say one thing before you move on? Yes. That one of the best things um, about the Ike Foundation to get started is we have a pledge on the website. Good point. Anybody can talk about that. Beck. Take the pledge. Yes. To take a kid fishing. What is the pledge? Well, what do you mean? You want me to recite it? I can't recite yeah. it. No, but I, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. And what we she's talking I have no memory. Yeah, no, what she's talking about is we have something on, on the website. Basically, you, you go on there, and all the pledges, we're not asked for any money. You print it out. It just says, I promise to take a kid that's never fished fishing. That's all it is. Real oh, wow. simple pledge, and anybody can do it. Good point, Beck. Uh, that is amazing. It's it's an amazing deal. Hold that up, Pete, because what we're going to do is we're about to take a break. We're going to come back with Ike After Hours, and this is the part of the show we all love because it gets crazy, <laughs> and you could ask anything you want to ask. We're going to open up the phones finally. Brian wouldn't let me do it earlier. We're going to open up the phones when we come back, and we're going to start it with a trivia question, and you could win... This beautiful save face mask uh, done by VFX Wraps, our, our good friend Mike, and it's a Bash University TV helmet. Uh, and and if you get that right, you're going to win this thing. I promise. Becky's going to send it out this time. She never ever sent a gift out. <laughs> no, she ain't. Uh, no, she, she ain't. will send this out. She uh, just turned to me and said, a, "I have to send that." Yeah, you have to send that. It'll be a class action it. lawsuit, dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you do have to send it. But uh, we're going to take a break here. One second before we take this break let me just announce one more thing and this is big this is huge this is groundbreaking uh big announcement and we're gonna make it public right before the next show which is in a couple weeks ike live for 2015 drum roll uh, where's the what's the actual sound effect uh, we gave up on that all right uh ike the ike live show <laughs> will have its first official sponsor <laughs> starting on the next show. Yes. Uh, very exciting, very exciting. Ike Live getting to the oh, next wow. level. Extends. I want everybody to keep their eye out for this big <laughs> announcement. It's not Extends, but we, we'd like to have that coming. If you're, if you're watching Extends? Yes, if you're watching. Uh, keep your eye out for the big announcement, and stay tuned. We're going to take a little five-minute break. We're going to come back with Ike After Hours. We're going to show you a phone number. We want to hear from you. Stay tuned. Ike After Hours coming right up. All right. Who won the game?
strange reaction. The more I see, the more I do. Baby. Tell all your friends they can go my way, pay your toll, sell your soul, pound for pound, cost more than gold. The longer you stay, the more you pay. My white lines go a long way, either up your nose or through your fame. With nothing to gain except killing your brain. Get higher, baby. Get higher, girl. Get higher, baby. 